Hi, I'm Jim Wonder, and you're listening to MDZ Live. Listening to New Dogma Hello and welcome to another New Dogma audio situation. It is NDZ Live episode 37. I always like the odd number ones. Yeah? Yeah. Why's that? I don't know. I don't know. Those those are always my favorite birthdays too. 17 was like a banner birthday for me. Yeah. My favorite number is 13. Yep. So, but I mean, like, I'm, I'm going to try to let me think about this. Yeah, three... Three, five, seven. Those are all good numbers. Are you literally just gonna list off odd numbers the rest of the episode? No, I'm like I'm going through. I'm like I'm like Jersey numbers. I'm like yeah, oh, okay. three, five, seven. Yeah, those are all yeah. good Jersey numbers. Solid. Solid. Yeah. yeah. You know. Anyway, this is Andrew. I'm here with Grant. We have no Mitch this week. He is under the weather. Yeah. So to speak. Uh, ridden with disease. Yes. Oh. Yeah. His his anger has finally got the best of him. Yeah. He is now going through Manhattan, destroying Manhattan, and you know it's a huge green person. So, um, watch yeah, the news. All, it's all it's all of the disease in him that makes him. Watch great. the news. Yeah, watch, just the, watch news. the news. We are here with Travis Manning. Uh, we substituted in another person uh, that wears glasses. Perfect. Uh, yeah. yeah, I'll be Mitch tonight. No, I mean, <laughs> I like I like this switch too because we're switching a little bit of like stats. And everything for a little bit more culture. Yeah. And, not that Mitch doesn't you know, have culture, but you know. You know, and, and he's yeah. a numbers guy. I'm definitely he's a numbers not guy. Your stats guy. No, he's not. You're not a numbers guy. guy. No. No, no. no. You're, you're here for a reason. We know what the reason is. So. Here with us tonight, former, uh, I guess, like frequent co-host, frequent yeah. than most people, more frequent than most people. Steve Shaw, how are you? I'm well. How are you guys? I'm doing well. You are awesome. in the hot seat tonight. That's what I hear. Are you ready to be grilled? Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> How's your uh, week been, though? Yeah. Week's been good, man. Yeah, week's been good. It's one of those uh, holiday weeks where I think everybody just kind of doesn't care. Everybody's just kind of fucking off. Just every like so, no new projects at work. Just kind of everybody's yeah. on like like we got coast in for the. You we know, got a holiday coming. Don't do anything stupid. Yeah. <laughs> so who here? Like, well, like who's working tomorrow? I am um, actually working. I am. Yeah, I think I think we got a full table of yeah. workers here. Then I mean, yeah. work is going to be work is going to be a stretch. Shh. I think it's going to be a lot of watching YouTube videos. Yeah. While I sit around, but you know, it's yeah. good. Still get paid. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Still getting paid. There was that episode of the do do you, do you remember that Cartoon Network show, The Exticles? Yeah. They had they had this thing in one episode called a Bon Jovi Friday, where if you're off on Friday. You spend all Thursday fucking off and not doing anything, and it's called a Bon Jovi Friday gotcha. for whatever reason. I don't know why. I can't think of a reason why. <laughs> and I don't want to, because I don't like Bon Jovi. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's very Bon Jovial of you. <laughs> uh, As Dennis Leary said, Stevie Ray Vaughan is dead, and we can't get bon John, jo- bon John Bon Jovi in a helicopter? <laughs> Come on, folks. <laughs> That's a dark joke, but I don't disagree. Um, anyway, so if you're 
if you are on our Patreon, which by the way, thank you so much for backing us on Patreon. You really do make this podcast possible. I don't know if there's a good thing. Maybe you should maybe I shouldn't be thinking. Maybe maybe I should be blaming you. For not doing enough. <laughs> no, for Are you doing en- your part? Enabling <laughs> are our you really doing your part. Yeah. Enabling this bullshit to happen. Uh, but if you're on there, you probably saw this week uh, we posted the uh, True Till Death. Uh, there's a there's a design that. Okay, so I'll I'll talk about a little bit about how yeah, this design absolutely. came to be. So anyway, it's a it's a model on a a tarot card really. Right. Right. Um, but basically, we were releasing a shirt, re-releasing this design. It's actually reworked from its origin. Uh, the original design, which was actually the first piece of merch that the flock ever did, or that I did for the flock, I should say. Um, we made a one-off jacket for Chris Fox, a uh, navy blue uh, champion quarter zip pullover that he wore actually down to the, the first game, Chattanooga. You were there, right? I was there. Yeah, Travis was there. You, he, and you, my, did, my then you did some road tripping this year. I Well... I we uh I went to Omaha, brought two yeah. buddies with, and that yeah. was like two days before my twins were born. <coughs> I was just committed. It's just like this is that was the first game of the year, right? That was the first game of yeah, the year. That's and right. I was just like, yeah, that's the last time. You know what yeah. I was saying earlier about year five is like you went into a stasis yeah. after that. You crawled yeah. into your cocoon. Yep. <laughs> and you just crawled out this morning, I assume. To I mean, I, br- I I got the kids out to at least like two matches. Yeah, maybe like in a half match, yeah. I think. So they got they got a little taste yeah, of I, it. I, just, but, uh, I just saw you there with the kids. But it was yeah. always it was always on the the food event, <coughs> not on the yeah. supporters end. So, That's okay. Um, but next next summer next season. But yeah, Travis is actually wearing a Chattanooga FC yeah. uh, jersey. I figured good news. Our uh, our buddies, the Chattahoogans and Chattanooga FC, they got uh, they get they're playing an MLS Next Pro. Yeah. Is so that a good thing? Do you I see think, that as a I good think I think it's a good thing just because the proximity to MLS. Yeah. I mean, we're never gonna really crack that egg yeah. anytime soon. No. So I think it's good for the longevity of their club. Um, just because that's fair, actually. The red, red wolves who whatever. just got sued and lost and by the lost. Way. Did you see that? No. What was this? About? So Arkansas State is it Arkansas State? Yeah, yeah. I think Arkansas. so. The red wolves, basically. So Arkansas State won their copyright infringement case against Chattanooga. <laughs> against the red wolves. Uh, so they have a chance to appeal if they want. Right, which they probably will. Mitch and I were kind of going through it on the NDZ chat. Um, more than likely, what will happen is they will appeal. Hold it up in the courts for a year. They're moving to the championship after next season. After this season, they'll and they'll do a rebrand. Yeah. This way, it gives mm-hmm. them a gives, gives them a year to do a rebrand rather than three months. Yeah. And and so I assume that they'll do the appeal and tie things up in the courts for as long as they can, and then have to change things. But they can fight it, you know, and they can. But you know, why would you at this yeah. point when? It's again further proof that moving up to the championship has nothing to do with fan support at all. No, it's no. about money. It's, it's what, what, I mean, it was always well, about money. Welcome, welcome to U.S. soccer. So, welcome yeah. to welcome to, to just sports in general here <laughs> in the sure. United States. Yeah. I mean. Anyway, kind of back to what we were talking about in in the first place is we, we I took a picture actually of the back of Chris. Uh, with Omar in the front in the parking lot of like a fucking comfort inn or some shit we stayed like halfway down to Chattanooga Um, and it went like people picked up on that shit on social media like crazy and were like what the fuck is this like it was literally the first 
thing with pink and blue on it outside it you know that was like original artwork but i made that actually out of two different uh old in the public domain uh one of them i think was like a, a, a carving like a metal carving of the the actual plague doctor and there's the piece in the background the kind of the swirling like plant looking thing was actually a japanese woodblock um that's also in the public domain anyway the way this came about was like I had actually just gotten my heart failure diagnosis like a couple of weeks uh, before the turn of the new year, and I was like working on this piece, and Chris saw it over my shoulder when I was working on something at the Cardinal actually, which was the yeah. Nomad at the time. Right. And he's just like, "Yo, you gotta fucking use that for something." And I was like, "Yeah, he kind of looks like a bird, doesn't he?" Like I was thinking about like just like making the the robe that he's wearing into like you know do it up with the the you know the sky blue with the white yeah. sash and he's yeah. Like, yeah you gotta do yeah, that yeah you gotta do that yeah so that's kind of how it came N-word. to be really <laughs> was i was working on this personal piece that was kind of like processing through like because the plague doctor has this rod that he's using it has a winged hourglass like emblem on the end right right the winged hourglass i was like reading into that and it was like oh, this is, like, time flies, basically. Like, this idea that time passes really quickly, and I was, like, kind of doing this art piece to work through some shit, you know? Like, facing my own mortality. Right. Anyway, uh, made it into a soccer supporter thing, and that's how it kind of came to be a part of the, the club's ethos. Or not ethos, mythos. Yeah. With an M. With an M. Um, but, yeah, so I... I we wanted to do a fundraiser uh, sort of this fall into the winter for Nazim, who, if you haven't yet listened to the episode that we did uh, called, I think it's called, we called it Legacy. Um, but we had Nazim on a couple of months ago where he talked about growing up in Bontivo, yeah, outside outside Cape Town. and yeah. like Having like, a hit put on him at 13 years yeah, old. Yeah, like, just overran with gangs. Anyway, when his dad passed, his dad was the reason why he kind of made it out of there uh, playing soccer. Right. And his dad was his coach for a lot of years, coached yeah. a lot of other kids in, in that township. And so when his dad passed, they set up this foundation. And part of what the foundation does is they put on a tournament every winter, yep. or it's winter here, it's summer there. Yeah. Because uh, they're in the Southern in Hemisphere, the southern obviously. Hemisphere, yep. um, but they put on this youth tournament there, which basically like kids come in, uh, they already have teams, but they basically enter as teams. They play a tournament. They get fed. Uh, there's like some light entertainment. We've got to go to this. Oh, yeah, we have to. But long term, like Nazim says, he wants to. Once he's done playing, he wants to. You know, when he retires, he wants to be a college coach, work for the college soccer system in the states, and really wants to use this tournament in Montevideo in his hometown uh, as a thing where American soccer scouts for colleges can actually go down there and recruit kids. Yeah. And sort of give them a, a chance to have a you know a collegiate education career and then maybe they they go on to play in the pros um but so yeah we are part of uh, a big part of this so if you're on our patreon you've already seen the link um if you're interested uh go to uh you can go to our website you can find us on socials we're only on instagram at this point uh, but we've got links in our link tree that that go to uh, ordering this thing. It's all done through Venmo or PayPal. It's very lo-fi. Um, but 
it's 35 bucks for the shirt that's shipped and there's some tapestries there as well yeah uh, which we haven't offered either of these designs since 2019. No. Um, so it's very. And we've had a lot of people asking about them too. I yeah. mean, like a lot of people at the merch tent, or a lot of people just coming up to what we, when we're wearing stuff, saying, "Oh, like, it's it's a huge talking piece." Yeah. I yeah. mean, I've, I've walked into work, and uh, I uh, I work at Mendota Mental Health. Yeah. And so I, I walk onto a unit, and <laughs> guys are just like, "Oh, what, what is that? What is that? It's what is like, that? Are you in a gang?" It's like kind of. You know it. <laughs> but no, I mean, yeah, you, it's a it's definitely a talking piece. Yeah. So this is this is the first time we put something out with this design on it uh, since 2019. So it hasn't been out four years, yeah. roughly. And um, and I think like what we saw. I mean, since we put it up, is like as soon as word got out that this was a piece that was out and available, like people started picking it up. Yeah, yeah. We're running pre-orders on this thing through Friday. Uh, I'm gonna try as hard as I can to get this episode out tonight, um, so that way people will get it. I can get, hear. I gotta get it too. Uh, we'll, I'm gonna get one on Friday. We'll push it again on socials, but <laughs> yeah, we're running a pre-order <laughs> through Friday. Um, but yeah, this means a lot, and and it's personal to me. Uh, it's going to help Nazim honor his dad's memory, which is a really special thing. And the timing is industry interesting, being that it's this week. Um, mm-hmm. Tomorrow being the second anniversary of my dad's passing. Yeah. yeah. Um, which like. When you, one of your parents or a friend or whoever, you know somebody that really loves a holiday, a specific holiday or like a This was your pop's area? holiday, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. He cooked yeah. every year. He fucking loved it. Yeah. And then had the audacity to die three days before Thanksgiving. <laughs> what a dick. <laughs> it's... I love my dad, but that's like exactly like... That's the dad. That's, a, that's the move you make. Yeah. Like if I can't eat fucking Thanksgiving dinner. No, no, you Yeah, I'm done. Dinner. I'm done. <laughs> because who's going to want to eat Thanksgiving, like, you know, have Thanksgiving, like, you know, three days after he passes away? No. I, mean, like, no. I did all the cooking that first year, and I don't know what it is, man, though, but, like, last year was okay. This year, it's, like, fucking hitting me harder, I think, than than it did even even right when, when he died. Why is that? I don't know. Enough time has passed. Maybe I haven't really truly, like... I don't know. Grief is a fucked up weird it's thing. It's a weird thing. Uh, it doesn't really... It's, it doesn't hit you when you think it should. I mean... Comes in waves, baby. Yeah. And it's not like, you know, they, they say there's stages of grief, but they, they're not sequential either. Right? Like, right. And, um, and you never know how big the wave's going to be. Yeah. I just yeah. feel like I've had this, like, cloud yeah. hanging over me since Sunday. So it's yeah, yeah. good to be with you guys and yep. talking absolute shit uh, and just... Gr- about to do. grill the the fuck out of Steve. <laughs> it's such a lie. These are all great. Steve, you know? I think Steve was a little nervous coming into this, and I'm just like, Steve, you don't have anything to be nervous. No, like, we're no of, I'm not nervous. Like we're with the clowns. I'm like, you know, know, Andrew can't really bring anything to the table. So, <laughs> fuck you, Steve. I can do what I want. Uh... But uh, we got to talk real quick about um, since our last show, which was two weeks ago. If you haven't listened to that episode, Patty, uh, Patty Grimes, it's a good, it's a good one. Um, I really enjoyed having him on. Uh, it didn't do, it didn't take a whole lot of arm twisting to get him on. Strangely, oh, you, I figured it would. You need to get him on again. Yeah, that was that was an excellent, excellent episode. Yeah, it was good. I was glad he was able to share a little bit of his background, and I mean the fact that you've got this like big fucking tall burly guy talking about men's health i think was really cool too and like if you'd have met patty like 
you know, 10 years ago like I did, that patty back then would have fucking never talked about that shit. Uh, so it was cool seeing a little bit of, um, and sharing a little bit of, of his evolution as a person. Um, but since our last show, we've had two events uh, at Rabinia. They're not new dogma uh, events, but I, we were all there. We're connected to them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but the housewarming event at, on, what was that, the 10th? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it was the 10th, uh, Friday night. I was playing house music. We had a great time. Thanks to... Uh, I don't think I've ever seen you smile that much. Yeah, probably not. You were in a great mood and you put on a great set. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, yeah. it was it was a great time. Uh, thanks to uh, DJ DH David, who's a, a flock and regular, and to of course Chris Fox, aka DJ Jean Leduc. Mm. Um, we have two more uh, dates actually that we just booked for housewarming: January twelfth, which is a Friday, and February second, which is also a Friday. That's my birthday weekend. Uh, we'll remind you before then, but uh, mark it down on your calendar. It's going to be a good time. Yeah, it'll be a great time. Uh, last This past Saturday night, Chris again uh, was back at Rabinia for an event called uh, Where Love Lives, which is a black queer dance party. Uh, so it was Chris or DJ Jean Leduc, uh, French Jessica, and Certified Scruffy, and all of whom fucking threw it down. He was Certified Scruffy and was really good. Yeah. Yeah, he was really good. Yeah. And... Yeah, that was, a, that was a fun event, too. Uh, but before the event, there was a little bit of, <laughs> not necessarily drama, but absurdity. <laughs> <laughs> Just uh. fucking absurd. Uh, I'm going to let you tell this story, Grant, because okay. you, you were the one that got to hear it uh, yeah. or, or experience it right in your face. Okay. <laughs> So to give the backstory of this story, uh, we walked into Rubinia, and we walked into like the Madison Tap area where the bar, the you know the bar area is. <coughs> Excuse me. Now apparently, um, I had pissed this guy off when we came in because I had come in and sat down. Um, it literally. Obviously, is a I mean, get mad about. <laughs> yeah. It happens. I have that effect on people. You know. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> <coughs> Excuse me, but um, so and I know I first noticed it when we were we were sitting down and we were watching the Badger football game at this point. Yeah, and um, I had said something to Andrew, and I caught that he was like mimicking or like questioning like what I was saying. Like he was already chirping, and I'm like, I just chalked it up. I'm like, all right, this is a loudmouth kid. I'm like, you know, he's here with his girl. I'm like, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. He was wasted. I mean, he was drunk. He was really drunk. And we also figured out that he was the brother of one of the bartenders. Of one of the bartenders. And so at that point, I'm like, all right, I'm not. Not going to start some shit. You know, I'm not going to do this. Retaliate or whatever, you know. And so he continues to keep chirping the the entire night. Like, you know, this. For like a good hour. For a good hour. Wow. As he's. Just talking shit. Like, just throwing drinks I'm just down. I'm impressed with you, Grand. You know, I mean, like, I'm, my dad, Level. I taught my, I told my pop the story, he, go, he was amazed too. He was just like, I can't believe you didn't hit this guy. I'm like, I know, pop, I'm a grown up. <laughs> so, <laughs> but anyways, and the whole reason why was because it's just, like I said, he's just some loudmouth kid. I don't, I don't need this. I'm here to dance tonight. I'm like, and it's supposed to be good. So, um, it keeps going. And eventually Chris comes in. Um, and he says 
the game was now over and he was said something about like he was cheering about something i don't remember and he goes goes well fuck y'all and then he looks at chris and points at him and goes and like gives him the point like fuck you (laughs) and that's all chris needs to be able to be like what so now they're going back and forth and finally angel who is the bartender that you know he decides he's got to take his brother out well he says that f word yeah calls chris that yeah and like not yeah and at that not, point like not the, that, not, not the that, four uh, letter yes, not yeah. not the four four letter f word the the the, the, the other the, the bad one the bad one that you mm-hmm. never call somebody and so he calls him that and then at that point they take him out angel angel goes and grabs his brother and walks him out the door. and walks him out the door he's like you're done man i'm taking yeah you need to go and so he takes him out i am now out back in the courtyard with chris having a cigarette he's hitting my you know he's having this thing and we hear from the front of the building, and it stops, <laughs> and then it continued. The same scream, the same guttural, like you know, in, you know, in tone and everything, and it stops. And then he did it again. And he continued to do this as he's walking down the street. So it's like a Doppler effect of this, this guy screaming. And I'm hearing just him. guttural, loud groaning. And just and he's not saying anything with these screams. They're just screams. Just Man. pure screams. Primal. Primal yes. screams. Correct. I've been drinking whiskey all night. I'm wow. a moron. I am like, you know. Yeah. I hate the world. I hate the world. You know, I'm you know I'm a you know, yes. hick from a small town. You know, whatever it is, whatever it is. These were the screams of a very stupid man, drunk on whiskey, <laughs> and just out of his element. I mean, yeah. you know, it just it wasn't even all whiskey. Like he was asking for like green tea shots. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Yes. He uh, was like he like he was on like. He was on the way to destruction. So much so that like when the first time that he went up to get the bathroom when he first started chirping his girlfriend. Yeah. Who seemed lovely. She seemed she seemed lovely. She was just like, don't listen to him. I'm just like, I, I don't even know he's here. And I think that that's what pissed him off. And because I, I talked to the bar to Angel afterwards. I'm like, what's the yeah. deal? What's the deal with him? He's like, oh, he's always in feelings. Thinks people are talking about him. I'm like, I honestly didn't even know he was there. He goes, yeah, that probably pissed him off. I'm like, I'm sorry. <laughs> but he, he came back, and I'm going to let you tell this part. Oh, it was the funniest shit. He comes back, wanders in from outside. We're back in Jordan at this point, which is the farthest back part where where the dancing happens. Um, walks in there. It's still pretty empty, and, like, Chris is using their, like, their iPad, like, a little – it's a, basically, like, a digital, like, Sound, soundboard, soundboard, yeah. 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 So he's like figuring. Out, Chris is looking at this thing, and this dude comes walking up, and he's like very clearly disoriented, and then walks up and looks at Chris and goes, points at him confusingly, and then just turns around and walks away immediately. I was told to leave this place. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out his lady friend left him there. Uh, yeah. She's had enough of those guttural screams. Yeah, no. I mean, when you can't shut her, <laughs> shut it. Up. I mean, she was going down. The, I mean, she's going down the street. Just like the, the, when he was first doing it, saying like, Shh, "Like, shut up! Like, you're gonna get arrested. Shut up!" So yeah, 
and you know she'd been putting it in too so i'm sure she probably was like i'm over it yeah yeah, yeah i'm over, i'm over i this. mean man if it, if it was like a homie that did that like had a meltdown like that i'd be like yeah, you're on I, your I, own, bro. Yeah, I'm walking away from you, man. Yeah, have, I'm a, have a good night. Like, <laughs> and, and this is me too. Where it's like, if a homie's at that point, I'm like, I'm all right. I'm just gonna hit you. Yeah, and, that's and, the other thing. And, and put you out. Like, I can't let you. Just, <laughs> I'm like, I'm just gonna hit you and put you out. We're gonna take you home because you are you're not functioning yeah. right now. Like yeah. for real. Like you are out of your mind right now. And like you need to go to sleep. And so let me let me help with that. Yeah. <laughs> so. Anyway. It was a good time. But no, like that's Overall. and you and you did that. Like when you went to go like find him. Yeah. Like you <laughs> Andrew pushes me, he's like, You stay back here with Chris. Yeah. Like I'll go handle this. Yeah. Someone someone's going to jail if, if uh, <laughs> and it's hopefully not me. Um but yeah, anyway. Good good events. Uh, my God. the Riff Raff gets shown out before the event starts. And yeah, yeah, mind you, this is night. before the event starts. Yeah, this is at like nine o'clock at night. Jesus. This is at like nine PM and he's just like wasted. Anyway. Um anyway. So next time we have these events we'll we'll let make sure everybody knows, but they are a great time. Um, and again, we make sure the Riff Raff is shown the door before yeah. they start. Hopefully. Yeah, we take care of business. Yeah. Um, anyway, switching switching gears a little bit. So uh, last week, I actually asked folks in one of our group chats uh, about dancing growing mm-hmm. up. Mm-hmm. And you know, Grant, you shared a little bit about your, you know, like you constantly, your parents constantly had music going in the house when you were growing up. I mean, in like you know the Lebanese g- gatherings with like the Lebanese dab key dances and yeah, you know, it's like. It's, that was like my response was when you asked that question. I'm like, I think y'all know the answer to this. Yeah. I mean, and so, and then for me, even now, like dancing now is like something that I, I really love to do. I mean, and at your event, like, my you know my friend Jonathan, yeah. who's a great dude, came and he's Iranian, and like he and I got were able to get out and do a few things, and yeah, know, it's just like I love to dance. I love to dance. It's part of my life. It's part of my culture, and it will be something that I'll do as long as I can. Yeah, it was sure. not part of my culture, and growing up in a pretty religious family up until I was like, you know, sort of college age, um, didn't really do much dancing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, at all, and I think that kind of stunted my growth a little bit. <laughs> that religion piece gets in the way. That's why I'm like <laughs> fucking forty some years old and want to go out dancing. That's still. right. Like, you know, I never got to live that. What about you, Travis? Did you did your parents have music going in the um, house? Or were you were I mean, you a dancer as a child? There's music. I wouldn't necessarily consider myself a dancer, but my my mother's Puerto Rican, and so she made it a point to make sure you all her kids could move. That you knew how the, to dance. So yeah, yeah I remember yeah. my mom being like, "Show show me," you know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my one sister, uh, she took dancing pretty seriously. Um, you know, she choreographed like a just a cute little thing that we did for like a fair thing yeah. in our downtown that's <laughs> where awesome. we grew up that's awesome my um, cousins and i used to do like we would choreograph like a dance routine to like a, like a song and we yeah. you know we'd do that too yeah yeah it was great yeah so uh yeah no i mean it's it was welcome in the house and like yeah now as an adult like i i definitely enjoy like busting a move it's like yeah. probably the one thing i kind of do miss i guess going out and like yeah, just hitting the floor because your dad anything. your dad right now yeah i'm dad right now yeah, yeah. Yeah. Don't worry, man. Those days are coming back. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not super worried. You know, they're coming back. You're gonna. You're gonna have some. <laughs> Dad moves are a whole different type of move, too. They are. I know. Yeah. You got to change shit. 
Yeah. You gotta change shit. <laughs> yeah. Just a little bit. But the best part about the answers that we got on our on our group chat was Steve's answer. Oh yes. And the picture. The picture. <laughs> the picture alone was great. But tell tell your tell what, so, what was your story behind it? Yeah, that? I think I can't remember how old I was. I was I think four, maybe five, but um, my aunt asked me to be um, the ring bearer for her wedding. <clears throat> so, of course, I said yes, but then they were saying that I had to dance at the reception and I had to make sure I was ready to dance. I mean, they were all, I mean, my Aunt Barb was 20, 18 maybe, actually. Yeah. So it was like, oh, you know, it was going to be a dance party. You know? Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and um, <laughs> yeah. so, of course, I was scared. So I had to ask my mom to teach me to dance. So, like this fond memory of like every day coming home from school and like learning to dance with my mom on the in the living room that's, that's you know that's so just great, like dude. you know i that was i still have fond memories yeah. of that and of random music like bruce springsteen and huey lewis yeah and uh the police like that's like where those bands really got in my in my guts so. yeah yeah we we have that's, to use that's that. So photo. great. Yeah, the photo that Steve sent along. <laughs> that's the that's the cover. That's going oh, to be that's the, epi- the, the graphic photo I, uh, for this episode. And this it, was and this was my idea too. It was like I think you know because we we've said that when we talked about this is how in the off season what we want to do is we want to focus more on like fans of the club and like yeah. and how they became part of Ford Madison and how they became supporters and things like that. I think that that's what the request is. It's like if you're going to do this. You have to send us one of your favorite childhood photos. Yeah, and, and that, Patty, oh. Patty already sent us one. We got one, and that's why yeah. I'm like, we got number two. And now we got a we got a track. Now going. we got a theme going. So now yeah. we got to put that in. And so there's two other very funny stories about that. I mean, just well, there's many. wait, wait. So you're you're five in that picture? I don't know how. Old Dude, I'm you're huge. Five or <laughs> like, six, maybe. I can't remember. Uh, I'll pull it up. I thought I thought you were this. at least like eight or nine. I mean, no, 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 no. no. <laughs> Um, but one of them was, I mean, it was like, it's a Catholic wedding and I was told, Hell yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's great. I was told you got like a lavender cummerbund. On. Yeah. That's, that's the colors, man. Um, I was told that I Love could it. not, uh, or somebody had mentioned, I couldn't put the ring pillow down. <laughs> so I'm sitting there in the front, like the front spot sitting there holding it. And then at some point. Everybody had to get down on their knees because it's a Catholic wedding and sit yeah. down. And I fell over. <laughs> and there's this huge loud noise uh, on the like the recordings of me like falling and dropping the pillow. <laughs> do, 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 do. Yeah. <laughs> Sounded like a fucking Phil Collins drum fill. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, um, <clears throat> so yeah, if you haven't figured out yet. Which Steve shot we're talking about? Because there are a lot of them <laughs> everywhere. Uh, Steve, um, we'll get into your your kind of background, uh, but you you kind of uh, Steve. This is the Steve, the the guy who pl- plays drums at almost all all of the four Madison games. Um, so can you you can imagine Steve uh, in in his current look and feel as a young as a young man in a in a tuxedo um I think holding that, a ring bearer pillow i think the thing that threw me off was that i you know i've never seen him without a beard yeah and I mean, so shortly i started growing it shortly after that you know. <laughs> <laughs> that was gonna be my follow-up <laughs> i mean so 
He was the fifth grader with a full beard. Oh, dude, I was one of those dudes, too. I mean, like, I remember I came home, and I, I was I think I was in, like, seventh grade. Seventh grade. Yeah. I came home in seventh grade, and my mom was like, we're sitting at dinner, and she's like, I think you need to wash your face. And I'm like... <laughs> Wash that dirt off your face. And I'm like, Mom, it's not dirt. And she's like, and Oh, it's begun. She had a moment. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know, she was just like, My baby's growing up. Yeah. She bought you a razor the next day. Um, so, Steve, uh, let's let's get into it. Let's talk a bit let's about kind of your your background. Where'd you grow up, and what was your family dynamic like? Uh, I grew up in Kenosha, Wisconsin, so just yeah. a few hours away. Um, you were, a tr- you were a Trojan, right? I was. Yeah. Trent for Trojan. Yeah. So the south side of Kenosha, the more racist side. Um, <laughs> that's, that's where I, Which, like, that's, did you did you catch that? Because your, your, your dad is Indian. Uh-huh. Yes. Um, a little bit. Uh, not as much until maybe high school. I guess I just didn't notice it as much. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there definitely is quite a bit of... You know, the white side of Kenosha, the south side. Oh, yeah. And then the north side is, you know, the black side. There's, right. There's definitely a wrong side or what, however you want to classify it. Like, in, in considered, like, north side, south side on the 60th Avenue. Yep. It's like, yeah, that's the where the, the switch off is. So 16th, it's very, 16th Ave, yeah. Yeah, so it's really weird. Um, but, yeah. Um, I like my, like my, um, my dad is Indian. Um, my dad moved to the United States in his mid twenties um, to go to Carthage College. Mm. Randomly, they had something. My dad was living in Ethiopia at the time. Uh, he actually was born and raised in Ethiopia, even though he was Indian and more Gujarati Indian. Um, so, uh, in the caste system in India, for Shah, it would be more of a um, merchant. Right type system. So my uh, my grandfather was um, a merchant and owned a little couple stores, and then that's what brought them to Ethiopia, just because <laughs> there was we wanted to open up some stores there. Yeah. Um, and then so yeah, that's super cool. My dad, <laughs> my like, dad moved like, here. For real, I love hearing this. This is great. My dad moved uh, moved here, and uh, he got a job working uh, after school at Abbott Laboratories, where he worked yeah. all his career. Um, but like so many Illinois folks or Illinois uh, workplaces, he would he jumped the border to be in Wisconsin, so it was less taxes at the time and gotcha. a lot of things. So a lot of people that worked in northern <coughs> Illinois all moved up to Kenosha. So it was kind of yeah. a, yeah, a time true. for that. Um, my mom, on the other hand, was a stay-at-home mom, um, a Chicago, like kind of a Chicago uh, so they grew up in her grandparents grew up in Chicago, but she was in Kenosha at the time. Um, huge Cub fans, so like Northside Chicago, and then um, she be- she was a stay at home mom up until I believe that was probably about seventh grade, eighth grade. Then she became a teacher, and then was a teacher up until she retired. What did you teach? Ago. Elementary school, so uh, everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that's what you that do in your elementary. Yeah. <laughs> Yep, and then yeah, so that's how that happened. Uh, I have an older sister by a couple years, who's pretty cool. Uh, she's she very a, cool. She is pretty cool. A, <laughs> like, like we've met her numerous times. She's, she's very a, cool. You're burying the lead. Yeah, she's a <laughs> freelance photographer, without a home base, so she just travels the world non-stop, non-stop, 
taking pictures of random shit. That was like when I came up to you this weekend. I'm like, hey, how's sis? And you, you tell him, like, where is she? <laughs> and, like, and you told me that she's in some cabin in the Northwoods. Yeah, just like <laughs> so, hanging out. But yeah. it's not really a cabin. It's like a rich person's guest house. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Glamping. Glamping. Yeah. 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 What a life. So <laughs> you, you've talked with me a bit, too, about kind of your your family dynamic and your dad passed away when you were like still pretty young yeah no no i mean so my parents got divorced when i was in eighth grade my dad passed away uh, like when you were in your 20s no just you passed away in uh, 2016 oh okay yeah so Uh, it wasn't that long ago yeah he probably was just a couple years before flock started um yeah or forward um and let me see here. Uh, yeah, my mom's still with us and everything. But yeah. 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 So, but my parents got divorced. I ended up staying with my dad through high school. Um, and yeah, he, you know, he, we had a huge house, with a big house. Yeah. With uh, uh, some drum sets. So there you go. he was never, I, he always said he wished that I wasn't a drummer because I ended up <laughs> deciding drums were cooler than school. So I didn't really go to school. I would just hang out at home when he was at work playing drums. But Well, how did you get it? Okay, so let, <laughs> let's talk about that real quick. So how, how did you get into, like, actually being a musician and playing in, in bands? Like, where, where did the drumming so, start? Yeah, so I, uh, my sister was a flute player in school so she was a couple years above me so anything she did i was always like kind of having to go to so her concerts and everything and i just always you know i didn't care to watch the people sitting i wanted to watch the people standing in the back yeah hitting things and uh that sounds about right yeah, yeah i mean like any kid and then um i went to i think yeah i was like fifth grade and i was told that i could start an instrument my mom is super was like you have to yeah um just for the practice the exercise yeah, of yeah. it yeah and uh i was on the fence at starting was saxophone because i didn't yes. really realize that you know my dad was like super against the drums and my mom was kind of on the fence about it just because they're it's a, a lot of shit the, and it's expensive it's expensive it's a pain in the ass um and they didn't know how long i was gonna do it and so you know I went there and like the people tested me on the drums and I was already doing things that they were like, oh my God, yeah, you have to be a drummer. You're already, you've got rhythm and you have, yeah. you know, chops already. So I started drumming and then right from the get go, fifth grade, they started sending me to junior high school to play with the band up there before I really even had anything. So I was, once I was in seventh grade, I was playing with the ninth grade band. Once I was in yeah. ninth grade, I was yeah. going to the high school to play with the high school band and so on. Um, it's the only thing that really kept my G, uh, GPA like from like flunking out. So, so that it was a thing where you were actually like in classes for this, like in music classes so, yeah. and getting like private instruction mm-hmm, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was in like concert band, symphonic band, orchestra. I was in all of them. Yeah. Um, plus like doing like ensembles and yeah stuff like that like state competition and stuff like that. classically trained that's what i did for vocals yeah like i did that all that stuff with with noel yeah for okay. for, for vocal train for vocal yeah. stuff and like with chorus and won the yeah. state soul ensemble competition i, mean, huh. I don't for, know for what male it, solo get it. i don't yeah. know what the wisconsin music program is looking like uh with 
dropped funding and a lot of stuff. But, yeah. You know, back in the day, they had a pretty good thing going. So, yeah. Um, um, but, yeah, so that brings me to, yeah, getting my first drum set when I was, like, 13, 12 or 13. And then trying to figure that out. Huh. That takes a whole nother yeah. discipline. I always just thought you were just, like, a degenerate like the rest of most musicians <laughs> and picked up a drum set. No. Yeah, no, 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 no. My first band I was in was I uh, was 15, 14, 15. What kind um, of music was it? Um, It was, like... Uh, it was like kind of like a grunge because it was just basic. Yeah. Um, so like we did like a Nirvana. I remember doing Nirvana and like Rage Against the Machine covers. That's um, so cool though. Yeah. Um, and then, and then it started to get. Then I started to get way outside the box and liking a lot of uh, a lot of underground music and stopping the the top forty or listening to the radio or MTV and right. just like reading up on music and doing yeah. that. Um, so. So when, so you played in, I'm guessing a bunch of bands leading mm -hmm. up until like moving to the Madison area. Mm -hmm. What, what was the, how did you connect with this, with the ponds? So screaming, so, screaming Simpson in the ponds. So, so Steve, this is actually where I knew him from. That's how I first met him too. He didn't know me. No, I like. We actually met I? through Justin Taylor. Yeah. Um, who I know through. Awesome Car Fun Maker because I used to work with their drummer Andy <laughs> ages ago. Um, yeah, <laughs> I got pulled in to take photos uh, and do some artwork for them, and that's awesome. how like I met them. Uh, well, that and like you go see that band one time and see Brendan do a fucking guitar solo. And so you're fun, done. Funny story uh, or weird story. Brendan is my cousin. Really? Our uh, I did not know our that. sisters. Yeah. Yeah, your crazy. your mothers or sisters? My my mother and his mom are. So he's your first cousin. Uh -huh. Wow! Yeah. Shit! It's <laughs> <laughs> a very small world, but yes, uh, Brendan, who is, I guess, Steve's cousin, <laughs> amazing key, keyboard player who also does a fucking mean guitar solo. Mm -hmm. uh, he's very good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Brendan and. Justin were with like the two like obvious like sort of really good musicians in that band. Correct. Um, uh, lead singer is okay. Ryan's still doing it. Yeah, um, but yeah, he's a good guitar player. But uh, yeah, his vocals are um, the yeah. stage presence alone though. Be yeah. with Justin and Brendan, they were they were like they had it down. It was a fun band. It was a yeah. fun bar like band. Absolutely. Fun, yeah. uh, but. So that's how I met Steve, actually. But I had seen his band, this band, Screaming Sinjin in the Ponds, play at Mickey's fairly frequently when I lived yeah, on Jenny Street. Yeah, me too. Um, how'd you connect with those with those characters? So when I moved to Madison, I moved here in 04. Um, and I had been in a previous band, or I was still in the band at that time, but I was commuting to Chicago for practices like at Kai every couple of weeks, and then we yeah. would do... A handful of shows. I was just couch surfing, couch surfing when I moved up here. I didn't really have an actual place to live, um, and the reason I came up here was uh, a girl, of course. And then when I got up here, That's me the and the, me and the girl were like, eh, "Actually, I don't like you as much as I thought I liked you." And uh, full time, it's not going to work. Yeah. So then, but while coming up here, one of my old buddies who happens to be 
the singer and one of my first bands when I was 15, it was living up here. And I was like, yeah, can I hang out and stay with you? And then we just started getting along and hanging out. And he was in the hardcore scene up here yeah. at that time. And he said, all the punks go to um, this open mic uh, at the Anchor Inn. Yeah, fucking A. Um, yes. yes. And yes. Uh, I went, and there was these two kids that were yet to be 21. Yeah. And they were just singing on a guitar and uh, a guitar. And that was Shane and Cynthia. And so I said, you guys are super funny. I don't really like your music. But if you need a drummer, I'm happy to play. And they were like, of course. And That's like exactly a fucking Steve Shaw thing to say. <laughs> yeah, 100%. You're funny. I don't like you. I don't like your music, but you're funny. Let's play it a bit. Yeah. And so like, they, they were like, 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 like let, let me work for you. But it was it was definitely, it was perfect because later later on that week, they called me and I went to their apartment and I just played with a bass drum and a snare drum and I think a hi-hat. I think it was just very minimal. Yeah. And uh, nothing really crazy. We practiced for like 30 minutes and drank like, 20 beers and then they said okay are you able to drive because we've got a show in like a half an hour we want you to play and uh i went and i don't remember much of it and uh i didn't know the songs yet really yeah but we did it and we just had a good old time that's kind of how it started i like that and then we played i mean obviously we still play from time to time for the money for them, for them. <laughs> as a reason to actually hang out with each other, it's actually that. You guys, and you guys, you guys did this recently. We did. Yeah. We did, did just play the high noon. And sold out high noon uh, recently. And it was great. It was the shit. And uh, it was so good. Did you, you? You saw my smile like when I was like in the middle of mosh pit at the end. Oh yeah. Like, you know. <laughs> Yeah. Like Jackie's, Wait, Zach, Jackie's like, look at that guy. He just loves running into people. Steve, Steve, <laughs> so they played Mickey's the next night, and like I was so fucking cashed out from the night we, before we, couldn't we didn't go. go. Yeah, we couldn't go. Steve said it was fucking mad madhouse. In I there. mean, you could imagine the high noon was pretty crazy. Uh, people on the bar at Mickey's and Ooh. tons of crowd surfing. I mean, oh shit! Oh, uh, Andrew, people like we didn't have any room. Like it was all the way up people to. People knocking your drums over uh, and shit. Like yeah, falling into. I us miss a little bit. I miss shows like that. I mean, I miss yeah. I miss a lot of that. We stuff. should have gone to that show. <laughs> yeah, we should have. I mean, we you guys have. knew all about it. I told you. Fuck. Yeah, we did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but you know, like we're we're in our forties. I, no, like, I know, I know, I know, <laughs> I would have. I'd have done some crowd surfing. Are you kidding me? Yeah. I could. I wanted to see you. Do I mean, it, it was like, like yeah, I told you, full on. I like jump on out. So <laughs> it's like, Steve, though, like this is a band that you would, you know. I mean, we we talked about this reunion show and the, the or the shows that you had recently. You're playing. It sounds like more shows coming up potentially. Yeah. Up not, in, the, uh, in the cities, yeah, and like, some of the other towns that we have again uh, for the following. money. We, for the money. We should go to those go show that show up in the cities. Yeah, uh, that'd be a blast. When bro. is it? The 17th of February, it sounds like. Um, yeah, just a random show. You know, we get hit up by so many people. We gotta go. Yeah. Um, I think that might be Tyler playing down in Chicago. Oh, that's right. Team that's, that's right. That's um, right. We might have to choose. Yeah. Well, either way. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's what we're doing. But, we'll plug it for you anyway. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I don't know it 100% yet yeah. what the deal is with it, but we sure. just got asked and we kind of have said, sure. So. What? How long have you been with the Ponds? So, I mean, if you don't, we started in 04. Yeah. We went until about 2011, where we were a full-time band and stopped after that. Right. Um, and then we're just like an occasional band. 2011, actually, I think was the year. So we had uh, four songs left. 
that we had not recorded. Yeah. So we did a, um, oh, what is it called? Um, the donation site. No, it's like. Uh, oh, like a GoFundMe? Yeah. Type some, thing? What's the, there was the old one that got all that. Yeah, I can't think of what it is. But Kickstarter. Kickstarter. That's yeah. what Kickstarter, it was. Yeah. So we did a Kickstarter video and, you know, we had a bunch of prizes that we wanted to raise like $5,000. Yeah. Go to a studio, record a seven inch, put out the seven inch. We got it. We got the five thousand in less than twenty four hours. I think I donated to that, but so, it was like all the the rewards were gone. Oh, well, then you just got the seven. Or yeah. you, well, I I, you, yeah, you gave me the seven inch. <laughs> I think for my birthday this last yeah, year. Yeah, but that's kind of uh, so how I got it in the end. Yeah, right on. Um, but yeah, um, the screenings in the ponds are. We've been called a lot of things. We started off as kind of a B-52s punk band. Yeah. Uh, but we... That's a great way to put it. Um, but, like, on the harder edge of that. Um, I think Shane, honestly, the way he sang the songs at the High Noon was, like, probably one of the best shows that I've seen, like, him. Yeah. Just, like, presence-wise. It was fucking amazing. Yeah, yeah. It was uh, it was a fun time. Um, um, but during that time period, 04 to... 2011 you were touring yeah we did with them we did quite a few tours uh east coast a couple east coast tours um uh, was this the band you were in when you were with touring with fantagram or playing with well we played with Flantagram a couple times um yes this is the okay. icons were the band but this is but was this back when they were like grandpa jukebox or they Juke were box or whatever it was called yes they were um uh, something uh it was i don't remember they had a totally different name they did and it was nowhere near as cool sounding as fantagram yeah no it did yeah correct <laughs> i think it was like grandpa jukebox no, it was like something like anywhere that. it was like kind of a japanese or something oh like, yeah, yeah. When, like there's like everywhere something about like yeah it's a war reference i think yeah um but that was like upstate New York. Upstate right? New York, where we got Charlie t- everywhere. That's what it Charlie is. Charlie everywhere. Yeah. Um, it was uh, <laughs> does not go well. It doesn't no. link with their music at all. No. Um, but we got we were tight with the band called the Mathematicians. And okay. Mathematicians. If you ever saw them live, you would get it because we just. I mean, they dressed up in like nerds and they yeah. played crazy music, super dancey and. Uh, so we were tight with them, and we played tons of shows with the, those guys, all over the Midwest and up yeah. east, you know, east side, east coast. We played with them in Austin at South by Southwest, where we, which we did quite a few times. So yeah, uh, toured a lot. I think we ended up somewhere. Somebody told me that we they looked it up, and we did like close to like seven hundred or eight hundred shows in Jesus that Christ. seven years. So Holy we shit, were man. We 100, were, 100 shows a year. You're fucking cracking. Yeah. So I we mean, were we were killing it. I mean, um, I don't know the name of the. Cl- well, it's right across from the Majestic. It's Wolf's now, but it was yeah. um, King Street or uh, yeah. King, what, what, was it? King, it's was not it King, King Street. Street Arcade. No, I think it was just uh, King's Club. King's, King's Club. Club. That's yes. it. That's it. Yes. There was a lot of times where we would have we would have a weekly a weekly show there, and we would tell touring bands. To come through on you know whatever we'll put day. you on we'll put you on so you've got to show with us as long as you show trade with us yeah we'll give you the full door so we had a lot of bands that would come through and say you know we need a show and 
we were getting good turnout, so then they were getting good turnouts. Right. Um, so, and then we would get hooked up whenever we toured, you know. Just so doing a trade. Just doing a show trade. Yeah. And it worked out, you know, we played with so many bands. Also, I was tight Na- with the na- guys. Name drop a few. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Matt and Kim, multiple times. We did shows with them. Um, also, we actually played with Matt and Kim multiple times in basements. Um, the Owl Sanctuary. Yeah. Over, um, oh, shit. Yeah. Which uh, I used to help or help out at quite a bit. Um, the Meishi, um, who were a big band, Health. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Holy uh, shit. You played with Health? We actually did a lot of <laughs> shows with Health wow. on the West Coast. Yeah. Um, trying to think of any other ones that are were big. I have a couple records of theirs on vinyl. <laughs> They're fucking great. They're super yeah. good. Super good. And nice, nice dudes. Um, yeah. So, I mean, we definitely played it with our fair share. Yeah. So then, I guess this leads to the question. I mean, which is why you're here. How how did you get into soccer? So like, I mean, I remember uh, playing American football when I was like in eighth grade or ninth grade. Not the I, band, the actual sport. No, but I do love the good <laughs> reference there. Midwest emo, right there. Um, I like American football. Though. I do too. Yeah. Uh, was it? Oh, my dad was standing in the sideline they were t- kicking a football through the uprights and my dad walked out there took off his shoes and ran barefoot and kicked a like a 50 yard field goal holy shit and just like all the coaches were like can you show us how you did and he's like, I don't know, like whatever <laughs> and then this is what i do and then yeah throw football over that mountain over there. Yeah. how much what i bet i can kick i can kick a football but yeah then, kick a football you know, over <laughs> over that lake it's like we had soccer all growing up. Like, yeah. my uncle played soccer. Um, we would go to wave games all the time growing up. But, like, yeah, my dad played, but he never showed it. When he yeah. came to the States, he Americanized quick. He wanted to be – he did not want to let on that he was not from this country. Yeah. Um, as you can tell by the name Steve, he yeah. gave me. <laughs> would, you, would you say that the Milwaukee Wave were, like, the first soccer team oh, that you ever fell in love with? Oh, Fell in love with, maybe not. I mean, but it's the first team, the first soccer was, team that you were. Was, was Jimmy Banks still playing for them Fuck, when you were there? Man, I have no idea. I well, don't remember. So back to my question. Yeah. But back to my question, like, who was the first soccer team that like did it for you? That did it for you. Oh, like, probably just the U- USA, because that's like growing up. We didn't really, you couldn't really watch. Much. Right, and, that, and that's like. Yeah, um, you had internationals, and that was it. Basically, you, yeah, you had internationals. Yeah, because you and I are about the same age. So, yeah, yeah. So I would say USA. I mean, even though they weren't necessarily doing well, um, but World Cups in general that were was the it. reason why. That was it. Yeah. Um, I, when I would watch. You know? Yeah. And then got into my twenties, and that's when I think I really got into yeah. World Cup soccer. And then uh, following. The Chicago Fire, just because that happened to be the closest thing that we had. Yeah, um, well, and you're a Chicago sports fan, yeah. by and large, right? Just through your parents. Yeah. But you cheer for the Bucks. No, I, I yeah, I, and the Packers. And the Packers and the, Packers and the uh, Brewers. No, not the Brewers. Not that you don't cheer for the Brewers. Cubs fan. Cubs fan. Yeah. yeah. So, um, as much as you can say, I'm a fan. Yeah. I don't really yeah. watch flies, any of it. He he's not flying a W when they win. No. no. He takes joy in it, but that's about as far as it goes. Yeah. If they're in the playoffs, I'll be like, woohoo. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah. So, yeah. Uh, was there like a particular tournament or a game or something like that that really kind of turned the tides for you? As okay, far as uh, like, mm, so, I would probably say maybe 
It wasn't necessarily like I would say it was the supporter culture that probably brought me in at the Chicago Fire matches. Yeah, um, old just with Section the, Eight. Yeah, old Section Eight, just like the drumming, and um, I remember like going Sector there. Latino and yeah, yeah, I remember going down there quite a few times to visit my sister who was living in Chicago at the time, and she was—I mean, she was a season ticket holder every single year. Um, she would always go to the World Cup. See, I didn't realize she was actually a season ticket holder. Yeah, so yeah, she was a season ticket holder for many, many, many years. Huh. And she went to she's gone to almost every single World Cup since like two two thousand, I think she's been to okay. every one except the last one. That's wild. I didn't realize she's been to every one, but it makes yeah. sense that is being wild. she's yeah. kind of a world traveler and a yeah. photographer. She, yeah. And she just like hangs she's out. She's just like, the coolest person <laughs> ever. Like for real. And then you well, like what if you get to meet her, like She's 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 like that too. Yeah. Like she, you can just. Man. She's got that vibe of somebody who's just like, I've seen the entire world and done yep. the coolest shit yep, ever. Yep. yep. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so she also helped. She played soccer a lot growing up. I didn't necessarily play it, but yeah. Um, yeah. So she kind of brought me under her wing on that too. Did you have a player that you you liked growing up? No. It was more more of a team thing. More of a team thing, and did you have a favorite? Did you have a favorite player on the U.S. national team? <sighs> you know, who's your prob- current? Probably not. Because like I was a, a, like I was a big current? Clint Dempsey guy. Yeah. Like I loved Clint Dempsey. Yeah, I mean, I was probably a Howard fan. Yeah, um, he was pretty great. I mean, just being the fucking wall. Was that, that sixteen has. saves? Right. Yeah. Against Belgium. Yeah, I'll look I love Wondolowski. Fuck, fuck that! I was just, I was just talking about this. Fucking Howard played like his mind was like. I mean that that, that match was that we should have lost that ten to one. I mean, yeah. uh, like yeah. everybody blames Wondolowski. I was like, he was playing out of his mind, and I can't stand Donovan. I can't stand him either. So that was always something. He just always oh, the white the, knight of American soccer. Right? Yeah. Maybe that's Fuck it. Off. Also, I can't really stand Clint Dempsey either. Yeah. But that's just because his commentary is horrible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's got to work on. It has that nothing game. to do with his game or who he Anymore. was. Anymore, his game's out. Just I hate his commentary. Fuck his, him. He's, his, he's out. His musical career. Yeah. Dog shit. Deuces. <laughs> no. So let's flash forward to late 2018 early 2019 so how did you find forward madison what made you decide to so when i i heard madison was doing the the soccer team i was stoked and ready to help and didn't really know what how involved like you know you how how good it was going to be like how many people around it were going to actually be putting in their time like you just kind of have to feel it out. And then I think when we, the, well, the, the, the announcement. I guess, like, maybe pause for a second right there. What do you mean by putting in their time? Like, you did you expect it to be a community thing? or? Well, I wasn't sure. Like, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, you hear that they're going to open up. And I didn't know if it was going to be like a Mallard's. You know, when yeah. you hear the who's putting it out, I was like, oh, I mean, I don't know. Is it just going to be gimmicky? Right. Like, what's going to happen? What, um, what was your hope? Like, what were you hoping? I was for? hoping it was going to be community, like, and it and it turned out to be that case, you know, that way. Um, and I did think it was kind of a DIY, kind of like, um, 
you know what gave you that impression though like i think it was you know it was a lot of the folks involved with the flock end it was you um who i i apparently did you dirty you did (laughs) but i kept on pestering you because i didn't want to play drums and um i think it was um you know and i knew you from i knew like the arsenal supporters yeah just from justin um, sure and yeah i knew you guys focused very hard on community and also uh you know charitable giving yeah like but also more than just about the soccer but also we're um focused i guess that's what i was looking for instead of just being like let's do this let's do this let's do this too many hands out there you know i can't really figure it out what we're doing so yeah i know the focus was there and then i uh knew the people that were running it seemed to be smart and no you were wrong about that big mistake (laughs) (laughs) now let me get this let me uh yeah that was that was year one It was all down. Why I keep coming back? That's yeah. the question. Yeah. No, apparently I blew you off at first. You did. I. Uh, so the naming. <laughs> I'm shocked. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck but, you. Like, <laughs> I still remember because you were hobbling around on your little your, your broken, fo- broken foot or no, my my pinky toe got operated on. That's right. Yeah, they were trying to lengthen it out. Anyway, it didn't work. I'm like, I bet go. <laughs> How'd that go for you? Yeah, whatever. So you and this was at the name. Use a cane. Yeah. (laughs) This was at the naming announcement. I was just like, okay, I'm gonna finally like talk to these guys and say I'm gonna participate, you know, help out and stay there. Because from up until then, just the Madison soccer, I just kind of was like, I'm gonna just wait in the wait in the back, the shadow, and kind of like wait to see. How do you know I wasn't just like, he's gonna come talk to us, isn't he? That's fucking Steve guys. He's I know this guy drums. I know this guy drums. <laughs> well, apparently, I played hard to get for a little while. You did because even the next time, you you know you, I was like, tell ask me if you, anything about drums. Let me know. I, we can work things out. I think we got yeah. it. And that's kind of how it worked. <laughs> I kept on seeing. That was pictures. a really good impression. Yeah. <laughs> You're when, really good at doing my voice. <laughs> I think we got it. Yeah. <laughs> I think I saw a picture that you guys posted with you and Omar going to get the drums, and I was like, "Yeah, the fucker didn't even ask me." Like, <laughs> that was man, an exciting we got, time. We got a deal, man. We got a deal. <laughs> we still have all those drums. We do, we do, we do. You they know, were the, good ones. And and we that was the thing is like, you know, when I talked with people, because because you and I talked, you were like, you had like concert drums or studio drums or whatever. I was just like, you know, the people that we've talked to are like, you need fucking like actual marching band drums if you want shit that's going to last you more than a season right right no i get it i get where you're coming from facebook marketplace we went to a fucking church down in middle illinois and picked up three marching drums for 150 bucks i say central (laughs) illinois for drumming is awesome i bought a eight piece blue vista light kit for like 50 bucks holy shit you know the the interesting thing too is like once we actually had so it was yeah Omar Omar and I drove down to I I forget where it was I I I think it was like yeah it was like the fucking Rochelle no it was like well past there it was it was like literally smack dab in the middle of the state it took us like three and a half hours to get there 
four hours to get there or something and people like that. Don't, the people don't realize like how long of a state Illinois really I is. I mean, literally is a long state. It's a long state. Yeah. I mean, it's just... I'm pretty sure it's bigger than the entirety of the UK. I mean... <laughs> and, and just... And, Way more boring. And, yeah, <laughs> so, no offense, Steve, but way dumber. Yeah, way yeah. dumber. <laughs> He's like, yeah, you're right. No, uh, yeah, you're right. Uh, no. So we went down there, came back, and like, but the interesting thing was, is like, as soon as we had everything, shit started coming together. Yeah. And we worked with because Liam's brother-in-law, Andy knew like Declan and the guys from Madison drum makers who were able to do all of our heads for us and like the, the actual raps on the drums themselves. So like the interesting, I mean, it was very DIY. We were doing, I was doing all the fucking design work for it. Like we got local actual musicians who run those types of companies that can do those types of things. And like, we did everything ourselves those first few years. We're still doing everything ourselves, really. And I, you know, I'm kind of wondering how much that's going to change. Uh, but we, you know, we can we can get into that a little bit later. But um, yeah, I mean, one of the things that I kind of wanted to mention was like Steve was one of those main people. You were one of those main people that kind of helped us put some form to the chaos that was there in those first few games. Um, and you know, I I I was reading. Michael Azarad's book. We're going to talk about Fugazi just because I know they're a big influence on you. They're a big influence on me. Um, as was a lot of like the sort of initial, like the punk scene when we were growing up. Madison didn't really have one much of one, but it still very much had a DIY like methodology mentality. But uh, one of the things in that book, Michael Azarad's book, "Our Band Can Be Your Life," was he leads off the the book with um this quote from william blake that says i must create a system or be enslaved by another man's and it really felt like we had the opportunity to build something that we wanted as opposed to having the club sell us some kind of fan experience a hundred percent. And I think also, unfortunately, at that same time, Chicago Fire was going through a lot of bullshit with their supporter groups yeah, and their ownership. And, yeah, yeah. Um, I think we were just like seeing a lot of, and just between supporter groups down there, they were like not liking each other. And yeah. Um, so I think we just had a lot of hope that we could try to do it a little differently. Um, as for the drumming section, you know, I, it was. I think my whole thing was like I didn't really know what was going on. It was a on. fucking free for all at first. It was those first few games, and we were holding the drums the whole time. Uh, and <laughs> yeah. um, you know, my back. I mean, me, Miguel. Who else was the Omar. Omar? I was hitting drums. Connor with the K. Connor. Yeah. K. Oh yeah. Hey, he hasn't been around in a few years. No. Um, yeah. yeah, there was quite a few there, people. There, there, I, miss, I miss that guy. Yeah, there's a reason. It was a good presence on match day. Yeah. He was on match day. Um, and then... <laughs> yeah. Shout, shout out to Connor's wife. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, that first year was pretty wild. And, you know, right from the get-go, I mean, what was it? Uh, the snow game. I mean, I yeah. think yeah. everybody was... I was oh. you were, everybody was just on flying high. 
I mean, yeah. just so sto- stoked to be there. It was I'm like part of it. We have a fucking team here now, and it's oh. real. And like, we get to play drums. And I mean, Travis, you drummed for some I, of the games too. I did not drum for any games. Not in 2019. No, I I just you know watched with, uh, with was, a little bit of envy. But I was there, man. I was, I was there. In I the was end. with you too. I had you thought know. that you you drummed eventually. No, I haven't. I've 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 wanted to, but yeah. I don't know. It's just like after year one, then COVID, and then just kind of seeing where we were going, and just it's just I, just, I wasn't sure how my, how much I wanted. To, I because I've wanted I've wanted this for so long. Yeah, I've like wanted a team here, and so when 2018 we got the news, I was just like, I don't care who's fucking running it. Like we got a team. Yeah, I'm doing it. And uh, but yeah, it's like. Yeah, I definitely wanted to have drum. Um, I was a section leader. I did. I did wear a, an armband right. in season That's right. one. That's right in season um, one. Yeah. But yeah, it's just uh, I don't know. I've kind of just kind of distanced myself a little bit. It's a little more programmatic mm. and a little less uh, grassroots at this point. Yeah, it just yeah, just it feels different. It's it's hard to like kind of real. It's, yeah, I mean, you can pinpoint. I guess for me personally, it's just like um, I just yeah. It's just it's like a feeling. It just it doesn't feel the same. Yeah, I want it to feel the same, but what doesn't feel the same about it? It's just like the energy, like the vi- the vibe of the people down on our end. It's just like it's not there. Like it's there in like the drum section. It's there in like the people close to the drum section, which is like you guys, Chris. You know, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. But it's just like as it kind of fades out, it's just like. I don't know. It just changes, and it just seems plasticky, and just I don't know, not as authentic as it as it was in that first season. I don't know. Maybe it's just because I'm looking through that lens of things evolving, and it's just not the yeah. same. Yeah, yeah. And, but it's like I'm just glad the team's still here. I'm yeah. glad. And this was a really great year for us. I think, um, just with the amount of fans and attendance and people coming to the games, I think yeah. it's, it's great. Um, but yeah, I just uh, I don't know. I question just kind of like where we're going and you know what we can and can't do as as fans. And I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, I have hope, but we'll see. It's a it's definitely a lot less wild west and a I little mean, more yeah. controlled. I still reminisce about the like almost like the urgency of that first season and yeah. like almost not knowing if this team was going to stick around. You know. Yeah. And then you had. Like we had to fucking work our asses and off. Everybody to make was sure. going to the the you know you'd go and watch the matches together where you know wherever we would have it, um, and there would be like a large group watching right. you know whatever. And because that's actually how I got to know I think you was trying was that was that the away the away matches sure like we would watch those and then like rather than like at the games because you know what the man's busy he's busy during the games yeah yeah. I mean, people just, don't understand that, though, right? Or about people that like have sort of responsibilities, or like they're playing a role on match day in the supporter section, right? Like, so if you're drumming and you're playing a whole game, which like Steve has played most every game yeah. in yeah. that section, yeah. you don't get to go high five the guys at the end of the game. You don't get to actually watch the match. If you want to watch the match. You do it at home on TV on fucking ESPN Plus after you get home that night or the next day. Um, and maybe, like, when I was, like, still very heavily into capoing or playing drums or hitting the, the jam block, 
um, I would usually do it the next morning, but I would always be so fucking focused on how we sounded as opposed to actually watching the team, which like yeah. was kind of a bummer after a little bit. I'm like, why the fuck am I gauging our performance versus like watching yeah. the team play? That's the whole point of this. All right. Um, anyway, <laughs> one of the things that you, you mentioned was that first season of that urgency, we kind of, our fan section has this sort of reputation for playing really fast. Mm. How important was that those first few seasons? And is it important still? Uh, so I think there was, it was Connor, um, the old captain. Tobin. Tobin. Yeah. Who uh, wanted a, or I think we heard through the grapevine that he said, speed kills and we want you to play as fast as you can. So then we started to do that. Um, we started to push the tempo. Um, from day one, we were playing a little bit faster, but then when we knew that that's kind of what they were looking for, we were like, okay, we'll really push it. Until uh, we figured out that sometimes the vocals or vo- you know everybody singing weren't able to keep up, so then we would kind of have to figure out that like kind of middle ground for us. Um, but also, you can't play that tempo like for a full match. So I mean, we did for a we, while. Yeah, we were definitely cooking. Um, I mean, the last couple of years, we've kind of brought it back a little bit. It's and, still and faster, I feel like, than most fan oh, sections. A hundred percent. Like other squad, other supporter group drummers will come down and just be like, "This is bananas! Like, how do you do this?" And yeah, I mean, it that's is, the, that's the thing. Like, it we, is cooking. Like when we went up and played drums and well, let's it, talk. Let's talk about that because we got invited during that first season up to play with the Thunderwall in, mm-hmm. in the Twin Cities. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, it, I mean, it was me and you that ended up playing, Andrew, yeah. and. I mean, I would just like let them tell us what to do. Let's just keep it. Like, I don't want to like ruffle. And and they were just like, oh no, well, you just do what you want. And so we started. That's why we got invited. We just ended up starting to do like all these crazy fiddles and and just like just playing whatever. And you can see the other drummers kind of looking at us like, like we what the cool. fuck are these guys doing? Yeah, we're all about we're all about being together. And these guys are just like racing ahead of us. And uh, we were like, that, oh, that was pretty much my experience right. when I played up there the next year yeah, or in, in 2021. That's kind of how <laughs> it worked like, out, though. So, but like the funny thing is, is like as soon as the game was over, or not even the game was over, halftime, we had people coming up and being like, that where the fuck are you guys from?" Yeah, <laughs> Thunderwall is awesome because it, it's all about like when they strike, they strike all together, and it's super yeah. precise, and it just carries through that whole fucking place. Yeah. Uh-huh. So when it sounds muddy, I think probably people on the other side of the stadium were like, what's going on? Yeah. But everybody on our end were like, oh, this is fun. Like, these yeah. guys yeah. are cooking. So yeah. We're in a small stadium, right? So we get used to, like, having that sound mm-hmm. carry. You know, the interesting thing about Breeze, too, is, like, and and Steve, you know you 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 might get a chance to actually experience this this year, not playing every game, but yeah. um, you know we you walk through the stadium now. This is the first season where I would walk through our other parts of the stadium and see people and hear people singing along. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but the drums don't carry very far in no. the breeze. No, because they they get lost in the space. But, I mean, just well, just the open up to air. the half yeah. up to the halfway line, it's they're still pretty loud. Which I think is one of the reasons why 
our team likes attacking the Flocken in the second half when there's, you know, more to play for theoretically yeah. during the game. Uh, but it's because they want to be in that end more frequently. Yeah, no, I've, often. I've been told by numerous players that they can't hear us at the opposite end of the field. So we need to be on the other end as well. <laughs> yeah. We need to be on both ends. We need, I think exactly. that's the, that that's was the, the plan at the end of 2019 was like we were talking about that. Like we need a capo stand in the corner on the grandstand and we're going to eventually like take, you know, start spreading into the into the other parts of the stadium. And then the fucking pandemic hit. I do not remember that. I yeah, that that, that definitely was something. That was a high I mean, level discussion. If yeah. you could, if, yeah, if you could sandwich, I don't know you how know, you would be yeah, able to folks. get that with. I definitely remember having drumming and oh, with the the delay in the, the sound, delays and stuff, your pieces. We had a whole plan. Oh we had a God. budget yeah. for it and everything. This is, yep. this is all new to me. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> There God was damn COVID. <laughs> there was budget the, and everything. Yeah. You, you guys have no idea. There were so many things that we were ready to do. Um, it's, it's it's yeah. But you know the interesting thing I thought fucking COVID. Those yeah. first couple God of seasons, like, the first season especially, we played fast. We played with some style too, right? Like we, it was messy, but it was also super fucking fun and. There wasn't really a whole lot of, like, form because everybody wanted a fucking chance to hit a drum in those games. Mm -hmm. We had, a like, a fucking wait list for people to, like, play drums and stuff. And, like, and even a capo. It was great. That I think, though, a lot of people idealize that first season as, like, something we have to get back to. You're not We're gonna never going to have it back. You're never going to get back to it. And The world was different. I feel like even as we've tried to put some form and 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 get some like actual organization around things because that was something we heard a lot of complaints about in 2019 was like people being like, "Well, I want to volunteer. I want to get involved, but I fucking no one will tell me what to do." It's like, "Well, we're all just figuring this shit out." Like there's no fucking script for this. There's no manual for it, right? Like we even had um that the German team play against us in that first season, Hertha Berlin, who's like, we had fucking people coming, like they, those guys came over afterwards and were like, this is a proper supporter section. Like you guys brought it today. It was like the atmosphere in the stadium was like amazing. It was immense for a 5,000 seat stadium. And they play a fucking 62,000 seat stadium. Right, right. Like, to hear that from those guys, and a lot of them are like Champions League level players. Right. Yeah. Like that was super cool to hear, even if we were a little messy. Um, but I've always enjoyed that first season. But you know, now we're we're kind of at, you know at a, at a sort of a crossroads, so to speak. Um, but before, what I would like to do, and we're going to talk about Fugazi here. But <laughs> do what you got to do. Part of it is because of that band. It was a progression, right? Of a lot of those guys is like previous bands that they played in, right? Correct. It was still had very much of a DIY mentality, but it wasn't the same as before. It wasn't part of like the fucking late seventies, early eighties punk scene. Um, but the interesting thing about it that I wanted to talk about was like being able to be, be independent and do your own thing, but still like have it be very community focused. And 
that was sort of their mentality and what they tried to be about, like sort of ethos wise, regardless of the music, which was incredible. Um, but I want to talk a little bit about like kind of uh, some parallels maybe between a grassroots sort of community, which is what we had in the flock. Like we still do. It's moved. It's evolved. It's taking different forms and shapes and stuff. But um, yeah, I've been reading part of this was like I've been reading Michael Azarad's book. Um, the chapter that he has in Fugazi was one of two that he read himself on the audiobook, which I thought was kind of interesting. Hmm. He's got like fucking Fred Armisen and like some other people. Like um, I think Corey Taylor comes on from Slipknot and talks about some other band. Um, but um, probably Biscuit. Yeah. <laughs> but what is so? Michael Azarad's book has a chapter on them, and like it starts out with Indi- like this quote from that he says of indie wasn't just do it yourself. It was do the right thing. So it was a lot. It wasn't just about like not trusting maybe some corporate offering, which we could have had if the, the fan offering wasn't actually done by fans. Um, but in your mind, like what was that band to you? Cause you obviously were, I want to try to tie this together with like sort of your background as a musician, mm-hmm. but also I know you're a huge Fugazi fan, mm-hmm. but like, what does that band mean to you as far as like the way you live your life, maybe the way you lived your life in the past, the way you operated in bands and mm-hmm. the ethos you brought into being a part of the soccer community in Madison. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm a huge fan of Fugazi. They kind of were the band that, made me change my mindset a lot uh growing up about corporate music um and uh also my like love of steve albini um and yeah just moving in there the diy kind of like i mean seeing fugazi quite a few times every time was for five dollars but every time it was for almost for charity there would be a charity pull in for almost every one of their Concerts, um, you know, they got offered tons of money, never really bit, and because they didn't want to be signed on a label that wasn't uh, run by them. Um, so yeah, I mean, all of that ties into you know, kind of the the punk ethic that I tried to like always live my life by. Um, and when it comes to local soccer, I think. The supporter group is kind of the next best thing. It's a small community. Um, you're able to be yourself within it. You're able to push others to be better um, in, in that community, and you're able to help the community. I mean, you're usually you're you're wanting to be the best you can, push everybody, mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. provide. Uh, a spot for everybody i guess i don't know yeah how to really put it it's uh um yeah uh i think we, we you mentioned uh revolution summer i think yeah um, the other night when we were talking the other about, night yeah and i was thinking about it i was like i mean that was just kind of a random i can't remember what her name was the one of the people on discord people that worked for discord yeah, yeah uh, mentioned that discord records was the label that um Fugazi or Ian McKay started and uh, the revolution started, I believe it was 85 yep. um, when it kind of kicked off and Fugazi started, but it kind of came from like Beefeater and 
Rates of Spring and Embrace, yeah. all these other bands that kind of came through and uh, really kind of pushed that movement. Um, and, you know, in D.C. at that time, there was a lot of turmoil within the straight edge community because like the east core like new york east or like straight edge Tough guy like, stuff, like hardcore was yeah you know getting kind of out of hand and even though they were tight um you know bad brains was kind of still around but not as much and so i think it was i think it was this kind of turning point where it was like we need to just start supporting everybody and doing more community-based stuff um yeah and so i think that's kind of what i've always worked towards so one of the, one of the quotes in that um in that chapter in michael osrod's book was he says fugazi held dear the old idea that a rock band could be a vital inspiring part of a community of people looking to improve society mm-hmm. and i i had hoped when we started the flock that that was like kind of our our focus right it was like not just to be a bunch of like beer swilling soccer fans shouting at a 11 guys to kick a fucking ball into a net uh i still want that yeah that's like that, that's, that that's part is of also us. That's, that's part, of the, that's part of the deal that is I mean. also us but it needed to be more than that um in the beginning of that chapter that book reads a lot like where the flock and the fan base at large is right now and I think what you were talking about with Revolution Summer and trying to do things in a new way, in a different way, um, you know, when you hear Guy Pachotto talk about the the sort of start of Fugazi, and he says that it was a heartfelt, not an aggressive thing. And that they kind of switched from, like you were talking about, this like tough guy, hardcore, punk sort of mentality where you'd have fucking like not skinhead Nazi like people actually like fucking happened last weekend motherfuckers carrying nope. the swastika flags yep. through downtown Madison you'd have guys like that fighting against people in the local punk scenes in those cities over you know just fucking stupid shit right like all obviously being a Nazi is fucking stupid shit not for me to itself. go um, <laughs> but like um, they also talk there too about Bef- like when Embrace and Rites of Spring, like we're all starting breaking up because there are all these bands that would like start in like six months they'd break up, and I think that was part of what they talk about in that chapter of that book of like no one could quite agree on what direction to take, and I wanted to kind of pick your brain as somebody who's been here from the start without, you know, I don't I don't want to get into like, you know. N- blame game type of stuff but like the the supporters culture in madison is kind of at a bit of a crossroads of like what we want to do and what we want to be about and i mean do you feel that as somebody who's been sort of very involved from the start um i think for myself from year one to year five there has been a lot of change i also think i need to let go of year one i need to say like that was the craziest shit that happened because it was all new to everybody. Yeah, it's never going to be like that again. So I think a part of me needs so stop to stop chasing it a bit. Stop chasing it and say these guys have it and trust where they they can if they can do it they can't do it. Um, and because it is a community and it is a group, you know they are still 
you know, electing people and, you know, putting people in place that hopefully have, because I think everybody in place right now or everybody that is going to be or at least in helping, place, helping with yeah. stuff operationally on match day or beyond. Right. Everybody has the same, everybody wants the same thing and that's to be a great supporter group to help the community. At least that's, I hope I can't imagine there's many out there that the methodology don't. just differs. Yeah. Right. And, it, and I, so it's, right. it's the same thing with you look at politics and everybody in their head, everybody's trying to go to, you know, make a better place. I'm doing the right thing. I'm doing the right thing. So hopefully we could just make sure that if they, if they need help, they want, you know, somebody to help, you know, explain something or you know i think that or get help get help i think that's where i think there needs to be more communication that's my only that's my only spot that being said i don't think i've helped in my in my roles i will place play by myself as being kind of like i'm kind of over it i'm kind of like burnt out and I'm just, just kind of shutting running down. Running the drum section on match day or like yeah. being someone that's yeah. like Yeah, I mean, I didn't, meeting. I think I barely went to any meetings this year. So yeah. I'm, I am not one to talk about this because there are people putting in the time, yep. the effort, and I have to trust that they are doing everything in their power to push the supporter group. So, yeah. Yeah. I'll, 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 put, it, I'll put this question to everybody that's here. Um, you know, and the. There's a quote from Ian McKay in that in that chapter of that book <laughs> that says, "I'm gonna keep bringing this up because I fucking love Ian McKay." I've never one. read this book. Yeah, it's great. It's great. There's only one chapter on on Fugazi, but it's like if you listen to audiobook, it's a fucking hour and twenty minutes. Like it's like one of the biggest chapters in the book, just because I think Azarad's like a huge fan of theirs. Sure. But Ian McKay says something about the established, like basically the punk scene dying in general, and he says the. Est- he, he's trying to like be against the established ritualistic patterns portending the death of movements. And he says that specifically about why he wanted this new band of his to be different. And also why like he, cause Ian McKay was this one, the singer, the main like sort of front man for minor threat. And they were like famous on an international stage to the point where when he started discord and then started his feet, other bands after that he made it so that promoters didn't put his name on flyers and posters because he wanted the bands to be able to be a collective but i guess like that would be the question that i would have for everybody here is like does it feel formulaic at this point does it need to get more back to that sort of organic grassroots sort of feel and what's your opinion on that i mean to kind of go off of what Steve was saying with, you know, kind of, I guess going back, you know, we'll, we'll never get that first year again. I think it's also being robbed of like what a second year would have been like, because mm-hmm. year two is just not even anything. Right. So then it's like year three, which is really now year two, you know, we're just, mm-hmm. we're trying to just get mm-hmm. by and keep this thing afloat. Right. But yeah, it's just, you know, we have been, becoming a little gimmicky with stuff and uh not really original and i guess that's kind of maybe what's a part of what's missing from that first year is just things don't seem original you know yeah and And there's plenty of obviously talented people in in this community that are a part of this community as well and it's just like 
and this is what we come up with, you know? That's, that's, the, that's the communication. Reaching out and asking for help is something I don't think we've been doing enough of. So, And I think that that's indicative with just kind of the generational divide. Um, you know, I think the people that are doing this are, are a lot younger than what we were when we were doing it. And I think that... I mean, we, we were fucking old to begin with. Yeah. You know. like, they're doing things that they know will be successful. Because we've done it which, before. Which is right. like, you know, longevity-wise, yes, is we, keeping we, this thing right. going. But it's also like... You know, there's no pushing in the boundaries either. Yeah. And, and I feel and, like that's and, kind of what we've... And that's kind of put that stake in the ground. That's like what that's our, what, that's our what supporters we are, group this right? is. Well, here's the thing, and, the, and this is the thing I come back to, and this is part of the reason why I asked is because, like, this is creative work, right? Like, you can't just rehash the same old shit. Otherwise, you're just a cover band, right? Like, everybody loves a cover band at a county fair when you're fucking hammered drunk in the front row, you know, eating a funnel cake, they right? They get paid the most. Yeah, they do get paid the most, Fucking Brett Michaels, I don't even want to know how many millions he got paid. He gets paid for doing Brett Broadfest. Also, what a missed opportunity for him to operate under a pseudonym during Broadfest. If your name is Brett Michaels, you should go as Brat Michaels just for that weekend. Throw an extra half a million there. Moving I'm on. Good to go. Moving on. <laughs> Fucking Travis is over here. I'm, I'm kind. I'm into it. Yeah, he's yeah. way into it. Moving on. You know what? You as like pearls of swine, Steve. Constantly. Uh, but no, I think the thing that I come back to on a regular basis, and it's like this with any creative work, right? Like you need to push boundaries. You need to do new things. You need to connect with people in a way that like keeps them wanting to come back. And like, I fucking like hate, like we need more, we need new chance. Mm-hmm. Like I'm the only I think I I introduced one new chant this last year of two new ones total. And I was the the person along with like maybe Ian for a couple who we largely just borrowed stuff from other team other clubs. Yeah. Like who do we sing for? That comes from West Indy Wanderers. Yeah. But that's a call and response to it's a call and response chant to other parts of the stadium and we never have gotten it to other parts of the stadium. We just do it in our section. And it worked great in year one, trying to get people used to it. But, like, no one sort of asked that question of, like, where does this come from? Like, what is it that we're doing? Like, how do we evolve from here? And I think that's where we're kind of at is, like, we need to evolve. Like, when I when I stepped away from, like, sort of at the helm of things, I told people straight up, like, don't fucking do this shit the same way that we did. Cause we were just figuring this out as we went like do something different do do something do operate in the same sort of mentality of like what is going to best serve this fan base right now because that's really the job right if you if you're helping lead on match day dude steve has been fucking drumming every almost every game for five years that's called service right and, and that's what that's it's all service and that's what it's ultimately about is that it, you know, any any supporter group, it's like that's it. It's about service. It's not about anything else. Other, it's not about. Yeah, that that's the main thing. Is it's about how do we how do we serve our community? Yeah, and our community is this fan base, right? Right. It, it's larger than that. I mean, 
our mentality that first season really was not let's get the soccer fans in here. Yeah. It was we're going to do all of the like soccer fan stuff that they do sort of worldwide at a worldwide level, but hopefully better in our own way than yeah. most of the most of the groups in the states do it. Yeah. I feel like we accomplished that in year yeah. 1. Okay. Not trying to be self-congratulatory, but like if we're getting pulled in by MLS teams to come and fucking drum in their section, like there's we're doing something right and it was because we were trying something new and interesting. Even if we were taking chance from everywhere else, we play them faster, we have more fun with it. I wanted match days to be a super fucking positive atmosphere for everyone. Like, I'm sure that's why, Steve, you played in like fucking dance punk bands for years, because that positivity that it radiates is just fucking like addicting. You want more of it. I wanted people to walk out of Breeze feeling like they were. A fucking, you know, I mean, they look yeah. like a million bucks. Like, I just had the most fun time in my life. Yeah. Oh, dude, I'd be hoarse and just jazzed just yeah. after matches. But, I, I mean, just a small little. Jazzed. That's a good term. Little thing, especially from the drummer side there. Like I think that first season, um, I introduced like a breakdown where we kind of cut the, the tempo in half. Yeah. And other places were like, what? Like, other supporter groups, were like, what is this? You're having a fucking like, breakdown at a song. You're like doing almost a hardcore breakdown, like <laughs> beat, and we still do it to this day, which is fine. But every year, I'm like, can we just do something else? slightly do different bass drum beats? Like, well, let's just think of something. We just yeah. like, I don't don't let it come to me. Like, just what do you guys want to do? And we still do. Something. Yeah, <laughs> so, I mean, but that but that was like when whenever Steve Steve whenever Chris Fox drums. Yeah, he's like doing these sort of like off like syncopated beats and stuff and like that's something that people that have been around for the past few years like they know that's going to happen at some point or when everybody's quiet if if it's normally a quiet part of the song and somebody's doing a syncopated beat in the middle of that you don't fuck with them Mm -hmm. you let them do that shit as long as it sounds good Mm -hmm. (laughs) like it's stuff like that though where it's like unless you have that sort of like we are trying to be creative and trying to push boundaries and do something different. You have to actually work at that. Well, yeah. And you have to like know that when you hear it or when you see it and it's something new or different, not to be like, fuck you, bro. What are you doing right now? Get out of here. Like, we're this is the pattern we play. You go get anyway. I just think it's we're at a point where I feel like our role really is to the, the folks have been around since day one. Even if there are people that are like going to be sort of part of fan section leaders or people that want to help set the tone in other parts of the stadium this season, or even on away days, just do do new shit. Be encouraged to try new things, do new things. They don't fuck. They don't need to be fucking stupid DIY old fucking asshole windbag like ideas about shit because that's us at this point. But and it doesn't need to be punk fucking rock either. But it, you need to push boundaries. Yeah, you have to try new things and do new things that connect with the community. And it's like I said to Vern before year one, before you know when I was like still kind of halfway in the the camp of. Is this going to be Mallards or is this going to be a new thing? Mm-hmm. And I, I told Vern, though, I was like, we're going to do our thing 
in the supporter section, it's gonna it's gonna be what happens. I can't promise you anything, but I said I don't care what the fuck it takes to put butts in seats. If you have to have a goddamn bouncy house inside the stadium, then do that. Like we want the rest of the stadium full because they're gonna enjoy what happens. And they're going to catch it. And this year, like I said, it took five years to get there. But walking around the grandstand, you can actually hear people singing along. And, like, Mm -hmm. there's a soccer IQ in that stadium, too, where it's, like, there still are, like, the I think the primary people that really were there those first few years in the stadium that really knew the game, they were in the flock-in primarily. And now they're... They've migrated. I mean, Travis, you you have tickets when you do come in other I mean, parts I'm, of the stadium. I'm still gonna be in the flock end, like I plan. Yeah, part just, of the game for sure. Just the kids are gonna grow up down there. Yeah, you know, for as long as we're here in the area. So I don't plan on changing to go out into the stadium. But I yeah. mean, I don't know. It's just uh, I don't know. That's where that's where the fu- that's where the fun is. Yeah, that's where all the action is. I mean, it's just and and that's where the conversations are. That's like yeah. where you know. That, that's where it's it happens. Community, the, the standing sections really are like they're very social. Yeah, absolutely. Even the people that aren't up in the bleachers and on the risers, which, by the way, I don't know if we've ever talked about this, but those risers, not the section that that the band's in or that the drums are in, but the other section, those are all Bradley Center risers. Like, those are from the Bradley Center. Which is fucking dope when you think about it. Yeah. Like, it, there's a lot of history that's in that place, but like, even, I don't know, it's, it's cool. Like, even if that whole section gets replaced a couple of years from now, which it might, you know, like this with this women's team coming in, like, they're going to put a permanent section structure in on the flock end. I think it's gonna be great because it'll be bigger. It'll be banked. It will be designed specifically for trying to be loud. Like it will be, but it won't be the same. Yeah, this thing is gonna constantly evolve, and I think we have to be okay with that and figure out ways to like equip and edify those younger generations coming through to do their own thing. Because fuck it, a like I'm sure there were people in the stadium that first year that were like, "Who the fuck are these jabronis playing drums and doing stupid shit?" Whatever. Chanting, singing the entire game, yeah. morons, morons. Um, Sit down. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I will say it. So this, this is something that I mean, Travis. Maybe you could talk on this a little bit of like just the, you know, not wanting to be entirely because you'd mentioned it too. Of like, you know, it feels like it's very, uh, not. Growing up, when we go to all ages shows. It didn't mean that there wasn't going to be no cussing. It didn't mean that you know there wasn't going to be some foolish shit that happened. It's it's part it's part of fandom. It's just part of the culture, you know, and it's You're talking about uh, this earlier just like yeah. feeling like you have to Like I don't want to be I don't want to have to be PG while I'm down there in the away goalkeepers right there and I'm just I'm ready to just chirp him. You know, to chirp them to death. I'll also, if it's the end of the match, I'll be like a gamekeep. You know, it's the, it's the, but it's just a part of it, and it's we're all here for the same thing. Yeah, and, and the, you're not you, being disrespectful. You're just like no. want to talk some shit. Exactly. And a part of me is just like, who, you know, 
have you ever been to like a football, like an NFL game, or right. like, uh, a baseball a, a game? Baseball. Yeah, everybody's talking Absolutely. shit. Absolutely. I'll yeah, put there's... it. This, I'll put it this way. Okay, so this is the last thing I'm say about Fugazi tonight. <laughs> you promise? <laughs> yes. I'm Who's all gonna go home and listen uh, to Fugazi tonight? Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm put, told, repeater. I'm told I'm told gonna put repeater on the second I get in the car. Oh, fuck repeater. Put on red medicine. <laughs> It's been I know non- it's, it's been cool nonstop. For it's been nonstop for fucking four days. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's not true. I play a lot of house music in my in my cards. That's true. That's uh, true. But we've been talking about Fugazi for fucking four days. That's when I started reading the book. Yeah, yeah. it's anyway. all from the book. <laughs> it is. It really is. Uh, I'm yeah. I'm like Tom Cruise on Oprah just after he found uh, <laughs> Kate, <Michelle> Kate. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Maybe jump on jump on my couch here before too long. <laughs> Talking about Fugazi. Yeah. I will. I will be I a Fugazi. Love Fugazi. I shit. Hey, I was one in my early teens. So, well, it's <laughs> yeah. I was gonna say like because you grow out of. So I was gonna say I think I jumped on like probably 16, 15, 16. Yeah, it's about then. They're yeah. a band. They're. Only a few bands like that that I will fucking postulate on for hours. Deftones is another one. Oh yeah. Uh, but they they were in a much different place in life. Anyway, this quote from Guy Pachoto talks about getting back to what you were kind of mentioning, Travis, of like what is what are sort of the the ethics, the ethos that we want to have as a fan base, you know? And if you're in if you're in the fan section, the Falcon, he says. Just because we're the jukebox doesn't mean that we just give up our power of speech and power of observation in the way they called out violent attendees at shows. If somebody was being like talking shit or whatever, you know, if like this, is, you can't compare a punk show maybe to a sporting event because they're very different things. Um, but I felt like it's kind of what we do at, at Breeze with like the P word chant. It is not tolerated Absolutely. In, in the section. No, no, fuck off. Um, and also just making sure that we're taking care of each other, though, too. Right. And I yeah. think, you know, this that was a super important thing that I wanted to get out there, like having grown up going to shows and being a part of, like, the sort of skateboarding and BMX community in Madison, that, like, we all took care of each other. And it, that does not mean fucking sanitizing and whitewashing everything though like you could still have a great time and have it be kind of a rough place a little bit right no like i think you need to have that of like this is not like yes it is a safe space it's a very safe space but we are not actively policing trying to weed people out if you behave out of turn you get reprimanded or you're gone but, like, what does out of turn mean to you at a sporting event? I mean, especially in that end, we're not, we're not catering to families. I mean, no. that's kind of the, like, I mean, the, the, club the big is. point there. And I'm, that's... The club is. I mean... And it's, I don't think that should be a thing. It's just... I mean, granted, yes, I know, like, we want families to be there. Like, I'm going to bring my kids there. But there it's are plenty also, of other seats in the stadium. Absolutely. And it's just, like... This end, ha- I, you know, I, I don't want to, I guess, paint myself as a diehard, but it's like kind of like 
this shit means something to me. Yeah. And so yeah. after probably a couple nice drinks, you know, it's just like a couple of thirty two ounce yeah. beers, which they it's do happen like, to sell there. The big, I, that's their fault. I'm fucking in this shit. <laughs> the, Sorry. The big lush, as I call it. And it's like, this This guy's garbage. You know? Yeah. Yeah. These refs suck. You know? Yeah. Fuck them. I you just know? paid and 17 20 $45 to go to the stadium, and I got to watch this yeah, bullshit. Yeah, and I don't need some guy to be like, that's not, that's not flock end. That's, you know, just like, whisper. it's like, dude, yeah, relax, man. Yeah, what year, man? Like, what? Like, wh- shit also. Am I really that offensive right now? Like, wow. Did you have that happen to you this year? Oh, absolutely. I had I had someone, well, that was actually a couple years ago. This year was really weird. I had someone, I was I was, a, I was standing at the wall. I had my buddy with me. And in the my, flock end? In the flock end, yeah. Okay. My wife was kind of off my right shoulder, and all of a sudden this guy kind of like, gets my attention and he's like is this your buddy and i just like turn and there's this gentleman that's just like a couple feet away from me talking to an older gentleman don't know either of them yeah and i'm like no and it's just like he's got a swastika on his neck and i like look and i'm looking at it and like granted it's like if you were maybe a little impaired it would but it was the number 47 like touching it like themselves and it's just Ah. like and it's just like, no, man, I don't think it... Oh, I, I think, and it's just like, that kind of sh- shit is kind of also what I'm talking about. This kind of posturing of just like, oh, yeah. you know, like one-upping, one-upmanship of just like, I don't know, this whatever shit we're currently on socially. Uh, but yeah, it's just, I don't know. When we're down there, it's just, it's about it's about the game. It's about like relax, Like, relax, it's, bro. Yeah, dude, <laughs> yeah. it's just yeah. like... I don't know. It's You're just, not the police. Yeah, it's just like there also, used to be like a get balance. The fuck out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> get the fuck out. Yeah, exactly. we we don't want you here. Yeah, yeah. We're we're paying to watch this game. Get the fuck out of here, amigos. Exactly. You know, and it's like <laughs> you know, I'm not, I'm not you know, I'm definitely you know not promoting any hate or any you no. know any of that shit. You know, that shouldn't be tolerated at all. No. You know. Steve's I mean a little, a little, bit a little, a little, 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 little bit of hate. Steve's, a little bit of hate. Steve's promoting a little, a little bit, bit of hate. It's always healthy. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, it kind of goes to just like you know, our, us as a supporters to like other supporters. It's just oh, like sure. yeah, you know, we don't need to be so nice to them. No. You know, no. welcome, welcome to the game, asshole. I think I, I think that I think that was the problem <laughs> I had with, you know, um, with the with doing the tailgate for, for Omaha this year. Like that was one of those things. It's like I said that I'm like, who who planned this? I'm like we I'm like we don't owe these people anything. I'm like, why are we doing the tailgate yeah. to these people? I'm like I'm like I'm like, it's too nice. I'm like you know, and, the, and people say, oh, it's because they did one for us. They didn't do shit for us. We pulled up Fuck and cooked our own food. We pulled up, we cooked our own food, and Andrew and I cleaned up again at for all after all of them. Yeah. Like we got into the game late because mm-hmm. we were cleaning up after everybody. And I'm like, this is even our fucking stadium we're cleaning up. Dude. They're <laughs> I was so they're, some of their supporters too. are just like the worst. The fuck. Nobs. Yeah, just like just talking all this fucking shit about how good they are. And it's just like they're your team's good. You are not. It's just like get out of my face. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just like yeah. trying to call us out like But that was you know. that was that, that I think is like one of the things that pissed us off during that, that first season they were around is because like we had worked so fucking hard in 2019 to like get to a point where we 
we even felt comfortable with where we were at as far as like the energy, the effort, the the trying to bring the community together. They're like, I mean, dude, the the flock came from a fucking vote of people like voting for a name. Like if it would have been my choice, it would have been something totally different. Like we went out of our way to try to make this thing be a true community thing. And when the season actually started or even before then, like it was really difficult getting anyone to do anything at first before we had that first game, man, it was, it was like fucking trying to squeeze blood from a stone sometimes. But I think the interesting thing about it all is that like, you know, we wanted it to be this true community thing. And I think it's been that it's just like the pandemic, I think fucked things up in the first place that things could have been a lot different, but at the same time, I feel like this is also a thing that constantly needs to regenerate and these new ideas breathed into it and needs to become a different thing. I do think though, Travis, to your point, it needs to kind of maintain a certain sort of like level of like, this is the expectation and maybe the expectation should not be, you can't say the fuck word. I mean, it's also kind of part of the, the authenticity of it all too. It's just like, it was, you know, I don't want to say like I built this, but it's just like, I was there, you know, I was, I was at the games. I was at. The, you were at the first fucking game. I was in at the March. Yeah, dude. I dr- we drove like in a <laughs> in like a twenty four hour period. Yeah. We drove, you know, like it was. This is wild, man. In forty eight, we drove twenty four. Yeah. So yeah. it's like basically we went, we watched the game. It's where slept, the RTL was left. born on that trip. Yeah. All, all this shit. Um. Anyway, we have waffled on a long time tonight. Too long. Thank you. Steve's checking his watch. He's been checking it for the past 20 minutes. Sorry, Steve. And, uh, uh, Andrew and his damn Fugazi talk. You know what? I mean, I'm People glad are I'm, Fugazi fans. I'm glad he got it show. in. I'm glad he got it in, too. I think because he feel, I, I, think he feels I saw re- the notes just expanding, and I'm like, he's, he's fucking I think he feels really good. I think he, he feels so really good about it. <laughs> I think he feels really good about it. I don't feel good about it if it, it doesn't actually tie in know, what we were trying you know, to it, do. No, That's the thing. I... I, I brought this shit up because it was, like, so salient, <laughs> especially with the flock elections going on this week. And, like, I was just like, man, I, I want to try to encourage these people to do something new. But I want to talk about Brandon Canty's drumbeat and birthday pony. Let's Can we that. talk about that? <laughs> 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 so this is why we didn't let Steve see the notes at a time. <laughs> fair. To be no, fair to you guys, I only sent these notes, like, two days ago. <laughs> no, this was good. This was no, good. It, it, I mean, because... Yeah, you know, I think a lot. A lot of what you're saying is that you know we don't talk about the fan culture on the club. Too. Well, no, and I and, and right? I right, and I think too is that like you know wrapping in with what Fugazi did because you know being a Fugazi fan myself too, it's like it's one of those things where that's part of the reason why I want to get involved too. They were not just doing the music; right. it was about everything else. It was about everything else, and it's like I th- I remember because you know I was in the mountains of Colorado when you guys started, and I saw what you guys were doing. I was like, I came back. I'm like, yeah, I want to be. Came up to you. I'm like, I want in. What do I got to do? And you're like, those that show, show up, up, those that show up, get do to make the work. The, you know, those that show up and, make, and do the work get to make the decisions. I'm like, okay. So that was my resounding thing, and that came from fucking Nick Bisbee in in the Twin Cities around Minnesota United. Yep. He was one of the founders of True North Elite, their first president, and he told me that like we fucking chatted with him in late 2018 before the flock even got started, yep. and he was just like, that's our mentality up here. 
The people that do the work get to make the decisions. Yeah. And I said that shit, I don't know fucking how many times you, Steve, or everyone else that first season. Yeah. Of like, just show up. Put the time in, put the effort in, yep. and you're going to be the trusted person. Yeah. That's that, just how this shit should work. And that, and that was how it went. And, uh, you know, I think the reason why I got involved was because of it was so much of it was doing stuff outside of. Yeah. The fucking lakeshore cleanups, man. Turbo would come out to, like, every one of those. Like, there were guys that come out, like, team that would come out to those types of things. If you're a fan of this club and you have not come out to, like, a, a volunteer work day, you fucking have to. You should. Okay? Yeah. We, we've all been out. I know all of us at this table have been out to at least one. At I least, miss those beach clubs. Those were always fun. You know, and the interesting thing, too, Grant's just fucking, like, de- so, getting so bored of this so, conversation. Yeah. He just keeps checking his phone and playing videos right away. He just away. loves his social media. <laughs> he, he should be our social media guy. I shouldn't be your social media guy. We'll talk about that. Um, we're not raising your pay either way. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah. He's making a lot. Let's just put it this way. He's, I'm, making, he's, I'm, I'm making the big bucks. Yeah. You're making it. Out of all the MDZ staff, he makes the most. Uh, but, I, you know, I think that that has to be our resounding theme this year, guys, right? Like if we're at flock, if we get invites to flock events, we should be showing up. We should be encouraging the folks that are trying to move this this fan base forward right now <coughs> to do new and interesting things because that's what this community deserves. Right. You know, Keith Tiemeyer talked about it when yep. we had him in, on yep. our radio segment last time, which we won't have this one, one this week because it's Thanksgiving. They're going to air a special day every year apparently. But one of the things he said was that <laughs> they bring back players and are trying to sign players because this fan base deserves it. Like we, this fan base supports this club extremely well. Whether you're in the flock end or elsewhere, I want to make sure that, that that is very clear. Like this fan or this club is very very well supported. You know, it it just needs some new ideas uh, as far as the fan base is concerned. And I and I hope that this crew this next year and everyone that shows up on match day comes with some new ideas because we fucking deserve it. Um, we may not deserve trophies because, I don't know, no one really deserves trophies, but no, no. we deserve a good time. Yes. A good Absolutely. T- good time would be fun. What have you guys been listening to or watching recently? We're gonna we're rounding two hours, so let's we're going to round it out here. Close us up. Yeah. Um, it's, it's playing right now. I mean, uh, Say She She's new record, Silver. I think that was your pick last time. It might have been. Or two been. times ago. Might it's have still been. good. It's still good. <laughs> It's, it's it's still on the now plane. Yeah. And so that just shows you how much you should go listen to it. Yeah. And because I'm telling you again, go listen to this it's fucking album. It's so It's a great one. Because Steve was coming out tonight and because I've been back in the fucking gym recently and this is Before been like, you be going, yeah. I'm like, I'm getting to this album. Like, I even saw you grooving a little bit to this album when you came in. That's uh, I wasn't really paying attention uh, I, I saw you dance a little bit i saw you dance <laughs> a little so bit group. stop lying stop lying i worked out great for you grant i love that <laughs> <laughs> i have been listening to uh, one of the bands that plays when i'm lifting in the morning the band drain out of oh, california their their album this year living proof is fucking top notch very and good i i don't know like i don't know what it is about me steve i'm a basic bitch when it comes to hardcore music but 
there's one melodic song on that record, um, Good Good Things, that when it comes out when I'm lifting, I just like I'm smiling the so whole time. So Drain has a great, uh, great live crew, and a lot of times at their live shows, they they pull out a bunch of beach uh, toys. Oh yeah. So if you ever go to a Drain concert, be ready to see like blown up sharks flying through the crowd and like beach balls, and it's madness. So. I fucking I've seen all kinds of videos of them. Their their design work, their little. Uh, QB doll wearing a shark costume is like mm-hmm. one of my favorite things. Anyway, all, all sorts of their fans are getting that tattooed on them now. But anyway, Good that's stuff. a great record. Yeah. Um, for listening, I've pretty much just had Jungle on rotation. Pretty that was like the last live thing I've seen. Were you? Um, did you see? Did we see you at that show? I did not. See, I was hoping to bump into you guys, but I didn't. Yeah. But uh, yeah, me and my wife and a couple of our friends went nice. and. Uh, God, that was such a good show, and uh, and so yeah, we've just been kind of I've been putting it on for the kids. It's weird too, because like doing Grant at shows just radiates sexual energy, so usually the women find him. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I mean, maybe, I mean, I, 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 what, what, do you, what do you want me to say here? I mean, what do I, especially there. I mean, like, that, would, the, that would that would be the show to do it. I was, uh, yeah, I was in good form that night. I was in, I was in real good form that night, and uh, yeah, actually, like, uh, and Jonathan was there too, which you know is always a good thing too. And so I wouldn't even want to interrupt your work then. You no, like we, <sighs> man, we were we were we were doing that work, and uh, yeah, it was good. We're we, gonna have to retell the uh, me have you having over to to grill out at my place story sometime soon. <laughs> fucking ridiculous. That's where it all began. Yeah, that's where it all began. Grant's my sexy friend, Steve. Yeah. Yes. As we all know. Is, 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 there he are a few that are impervious to your powers of, of persuasion. That's true. Yeah. There's more than a few. Yeah. There's more than anyway, a few. Steve, what are you listening to? Uh, um, Light Beams. I actually just saw them in concert. Shit, you were fucking telling me about this show. Um, so, yeah, I just saw them in Madison. They came through. Light Beams are a... Uh, kind of a dance punk band uh, from DC on Discord Records. On Discord Records, fucking a. Who is owned by Ian McKay from Fugazi. Well, they came through, and unfortunately, I knew nothing about it. And one of my friends from the East Coast messaged me and said, "Hey, man, I saw Light Beams are coming through. That's awesome." Because he knows I'm a fan of the lead singers, previous groups El Guapo and Super Systems. And I was like, I have no, I heard nothing about it. Yeah, and. Uh, me and a buddy of mine went, um, and we were the only two there besides the opening band, who was from Milwaukee, and the sound guy. So you literally were one of like, you were the only two people there to the, actually. I think watch that I actually paid to get in at communication, and uh, I felt super bad. <sighs> communication like, is, is not DIY so great. space. Not so great. As uh, so like communication. How many, people, how many people total were at this place? Like six. Communications not so great at the communication there. Yeah, oh, and uh, funny. I have to give it to mm. Light Beams. I mean, they were kind of joking about how long they wanted to do a soundtrack for beforehand for me and <laughs> my buddy Chris. They were like, oh, another 15 I think we'll need. But uh, once they ended up starting, <laughs> once they <laughs> once they ended up, and, you know, they're talking to us because they're two feet away because yeah. we're the only ones there. Yeah. Um, but once they started playing, they brought it like – I mean, communication is basically a living room. It's true. It's true. I mean, it can only fit like 30 people 
Um, but well, you know, when they started playing, they brought it like it was a full house. So I yeah. appreciated that and uh, got to talk to him quite a bit at, afterwards. And it's yeah. like a third wave ska show, Steve. Yeah, it's like twelve band members and the rest yes. is yes. yeah. The two other people there are fans. Yikes! Yep, yep, that's it. So that's all I've been listening. That's to. a fucking bummer, though. Like, yeah, it's how super, does that happen? I don't know. It's super bummy out, um, especially for an act like a really fun band. Um, you know, there's like three people playing percussion instruments, uh-huh, uh-huh. super dancey. <clears throat> yeah, but we did not dance. We just stood there and nodded our heads. How come you didn't music. call us? Yeah, I don't know, because I was there and you know was already going. You're just like I don't want to see those guys. Yeah. <laughs> I was um, there. Yeah. I was there. <laughs> I, do. I was. I would have thought that too. <laughs> so gonna, Steve? I was there, and, you're, yeah. and you weren't there. They're gonna totally ruin this. I also <laughs> wanted to say. I, uh, <laughs> <laughs> They're gonna fuck it all up. <laughs> <Yeah>. Jesus. <laughs> uh, any Quentin Tarantino fans? I uh, yes. just started reading the book Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh, it's uh, so yeah. it's so good. And oh my god, it is so much fun. It's I mean, the so movie fun. is excellent. The movie's super fun. I recommend reading the book. Interesting. It's like so much more, and they deep dive into so many parts. I'm only like a third of the way through, and I'm having such a good time with it. So there, that that typically is the case with like he did that with um, the movie um, Jackie Brown. Yeah, it was based off the Elmore Leonard book Rum Punch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, read rum punch yeah like it's so good i mean it's so good and you know you'll i think you'll in a lot of ways you enjoy that more than more than the movie so yeah my my sort of bonus round i i've been listening to glass vegas's self-titled album recently why i don't know like one of their songs came on while i was watching like a fucking like the like like the like the electronic band no glass vegas okay okay yeah Glass Vegas yeah. from Glasgow. They actually were managed by the same guy at Managed Oasis, and you said it was they were like the next huge band to come up. And I saw them play here in town. Loved, loved their self-titled record. Everything after, mm. yeah, happens. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. But that record's great. That record was great. Anyway, go listen to that. That is our show for this week. Thank you, Steve Shaw, who's already taken off his headphones. He's like, fuck you guys. I'm going to go home to my dog. Uh, thank you, Travis, for joining us tonight. It's always a pleasure to see you. Thank last you time, what, You were last on with Jaden Onan, I think. Yeah, I really in enjoyed orange, myself. And in his orange tracksuit? Yeah. Quite, damn. Steve was there yeah. for that as well. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. 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 We, were, we were at the Midtown. Yep, that was a good time. The Midtown. Midtownals. Midtownals. That was good, one of those where I didn't really see anything. Lad. A good lad. I just lad. talked shit under my breath. Yeah. yeah, that's what you like. This is the most I've ever heard you talk on Shh, record. We don't need to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're All gonna right, go. Uh, thank everybody for listening. Um, we're gonna try to have one next week for you. No guarantees though. It might be a couple of weeks. We'll figure but, it. You know, you got two plus hours. This might be our longest episode, and that's saying something because John Pascarella talks like it's it's no longer than John's. John's is way longer. Yeah, because he was there for John's too. That's fair. (laughs) I think I was looking at my watch. He was checking his watch three hours ago (laughs) in that one. All right, Uh, we'll see you all next time. And as Grant always says, be easy, everybody. All right, cheers. Cheers.